Hey, this is your Aunties Could Never, a podcast where you get to hear from your favourite aunties who have all the real talk with our thoughts on what's going on in the world. We'll be reminiscing about what it was like back in our day, and most importantly, we'll be helping you sort out your daily dilemmas with advice only your coolest auntie will give. I'm Auntie AK, and I'm here with... Welcome, uncles! Yes! <laughs> so for everybody watching, we've gone live, we've got some special guests in the house. We're going to go straight into um, news headlines. What have you heard, uncles and aunties? I think, um, Jermaine, you said you had a news story. What I was hearing today was um, Boris Johnson is blaming the, um, the healthcare sector that they haven't done a good job with COVID-19. Yeah, Boris Johnson just putting the blame on um, everybody else regarding what's happening with COVID-19 and not taking blame for actions that he hasn't done as um, the leader of uh, Great Britain. His so-called teammates have to come back and say sorry that he didn't mean what he said. Well, he said it, it's out of the open. So he's being the, um, the baby Trump right now and it's not really right. So what, what do you guys have to say about Boris, Boris Trump doing his mini Trump impression? Do you know what it is? Um, I've noticed he really is following in Trump's footsteps. Like this is everything that Trump does, he kind of does as well. So I was expecting him to start blaming medics, start blaming other authorities. Like he was going to, he's mm-hmm. going to go down the same road. I guess this is a pattern of leadership that it may catch on. Like they're seeing actually Trump being wild works. Like it, it keeps him popular, it keeps him in the news. So I think Boris is just trying a similar, a similar tack. I mean, they're cut from the same cloth anyway, so it's to be expected. But um, I really, I really wish the team wouldn't back him or try and defend what he says. Like everybody's like, actually, but yeah, this is what Boris said, and Boris has to come back out and defend it in front of the in front of the press. Then other people speaking for him. I mean, Boris has been wild. This ain't the first time he said something out of pocket. He's said bare racist things before, you know, um, he even came to power when he was mayor of London, said bare racist things, like just wild stuff in general. So I, I'm not surprised at all. But however, I'm not too sure how this is totally going to wash. But I think a lot of people are not happy that Boris is in the position that he's in and they're going to try and get power really and truly. So I think his days are numbered personally. What I'd say is, who are you going to replace him with? We all want change, but the thing is, a lot of times you think, yeah, we're going to change this, get him out, get rid of him, get rid of him, and replace him with who? I mean, we've got Labour, yeah. Labour leader, Keir. What's he, what, what are you not thinking about Keir? Was it Keir Stammer? I don't know him like that. But you have to find out what he's saying, what does he mean, what does he stand for? And I haven't really seen enough of him to know, yes, he's a great person to take over. In fact, anyone's better than Boris right now. My dry cleaner would be better than Boris right now. <laughs> but, but the whole point is this, right? We always want these changes without having a person to replace that person with. Okay, and not just a one person, you need to replace them with a whole team. That's the main problem. One person ain't gonna make that full on change. They can shout as much as they want to. You need the whole team around who's understanding and it all work together. Just wondering where Richard was going for a minute there. Because at first it sounded like you were like, but Boris, it's cool. It's not cool, but the thing is, have ammunition. No, I agree with you, but I think what happens in politics is we'll never really know until they're in a certain position. They can chat yeah. what they want and they can say what they want, but it's only when they get into the positions of power that you actually see what they're made of. Because a lot of, if you take, for example, many, many years ago, when I can't remember what his name was, the Liberal Democrats, in all his statement leading up to the election, he was like, 
oh, I won't charge university fees, mm-hmm. but he went on and charged university fees. So yeah. you don't know what's going to happen 95% of the time with these politicians. Yeah, that's a problem. But this doesn't surprise me that Trump, hear me, Trump, that Boris has said what he's saying. And I don't even think that he's a mini Trump. I think that, like Auntie Sade said, he's been full of shit for many years and he's just letting it out now. Jermaine, what, what made this story stand out for you? Because I could see how the media and actually his team are actually uh, mimicking the states where Donald Trump will come out, he will say certain things, he will lie about certain stuff. And then everyone's got the receipts, and then yet they will come out in front of everyone and defend everything that he he said, what he didn't say, what he did say, you know. And uh, I just don't understand how the public, uh, everyone's being gullible and really silly about situations where they, you can see he's, he's not a good person, you can see that he lies and cheats and steals. But yeah, we will happily elect him in or not get up and fold somebody else in. Because the whole media killed, um, everyone killed Jeremy Corbyn. And the bottom line to me, I don't care what anyone says, he would have been the better leader and running Great Britain right now than this guy in power right now. It's amazing how parallel we are to America because we lost Corbyn, they lost Sanders. And it's just weird copycat behavior that we have. And so even though Boris isn't a mini Trump, he literally is a, his, his twin brother. It was the <laughs> it's just same politics, like, you know, different wigs or whatever, different stupid hairstyles and different continents. But it all just, I don't understand why these people are allowed to run these countries the way they are. But what they were smart about is tapping into the insecurities of working class white folks and, and of, of course, the rich. They appealed to those bases and just ran with it, and people fell for their nonsense. Yeah, but the problem is the UK has always followed America since America turned independent. They've always been doing it all the way through. That's a problem. Patrick, what were you going to say? Yeah, I was going to say that um, I do agree with Jermaine slightly with the comparison with um, Jeremy Corbyn in terms of he would be different and would probably actually try and do better for us as a whole. But ultimately, I think all politicians are cut from the same cloth. I don't think it matters who you vote for. I think ultimately the result is the same for us, especially as black people. And I think what we should do is put our vote together as one conglomerate and then lend our vote to whoever does more for us in their manifesto. That's Charlemagne the God's been trying to do and getting criticised for challenging Biden to really be clear about what his plans are for black people of America. I don't even think we've got anyone over here that we really care about enough to take to task like that. But that's, a, that's exactly what we should be doing. Yeah, we're much more powerful. If we vote all together, we're much more powerful. We're not Democrats or Republicans or Labourers or Conservative. We lend our vote to whoever's doing more for us as a people. Yeah, I agree totally. Um, we should do that. It's just that that's not really how we're set up, is it? Do you know what I mean? We don't really have like clear-cut um, lobbying groups or anything like that. I would love for that to happen, to have a clear kind of like a black manifesto. That would be amazing. But it just doesn't exist at the moment. So I guess we always just try with, or even like our parents just tell us, like vote Labour because that's the closest thing to what it is that would be good for us because they talk to you know more working class people and stuff and traditionally that's where we usually sit so um we definitely need that change for sure let's uh, see who's going to do it though do you know what i mean i was just going to say that we've all got to remember that the laws of this country and america they're not made for us yeah, it's true. not about us that it wasn't founded to aid or assist us it was founded to repress us and keep us down so all we can try to do is, like everybody else said, is try to find someone who is the nearest. Like I, I said this a couple of weeks ago, it's like getting a bus. 
you might not get a bus at your exact station, but you want to get a bus to as near as it can take you. So that's what we have to do. But it's never going to be perfect because the rules are not set for us. It's not. To Sade's point, there actually is a group they formed in February and it's called ADPAC, A-D-P-A-C, and it's the African Diaspora Political Action Committee. And that's specifically what they've been set up for is to galvanize, to come up with a manifesto that we all back and say this is the closest politician or leader or party that is going to fulfill or they put this in our manifesto, they have a black agenda and then we go and vote that way. But in the same way, back in what Auntie Farah said, I do think that it's, um, we can do this, but ultimately I think it's foolish to really expect them to do anything in our elevation because you capitalism needs a lower class you need a serving class you need an underclass you need people who are considered lesser for capitalism to work so it doesn't matter how either it's black people that become elevated and there's always going to be somebody else underneath for this system to thrive it doesn't thrive with everybody being equal there's not going to be any equality or equity and capitalism still thrives it's just the system doesn't work that way so in order to really be equal we would need a new structure and that would be everybody collectively seeing it's not in our human interest to carry on with this okay well my new story might be a little bit lighter what inspired me with this story is my daughters because they're obsessed absolutely obsessed with tiktok and um it seems like a lot of countries not even like corporations or people whole countries are pulling away from tiktok because obviously it's apparently chinese owned um and it's a chinese app and they see it as a, a security uh, risk um so i think australia were the latest people to, to discuss tiktok india have pulled out and they do not i think TikTok, I think it's illegal to have TikTok like on, a, on your um, devices in that country. I know Trump is not a big follower of China at all, so I wouldn't be surprised if America did something along the lines. And I'm just thinking, if that happens here, man, my daughters are going to be, they're going to be devastated because they live by TikTok. That's all I can say. They're going to be ticked off. <laughs> I like that. I like that. I like that. Yeah. So, like, a couple, I think this is months ago now that the US military, they basically said that any military personnel, you can't have TikTok on your phone because it's a security risk in terms of like the data that they collect and everything like that. And I think that this is going to be definitely a growing trend. It feels like, yeah, there's a whole conspiracy against China at the moment. They found some ancient plague the other day kind of thing. It's like they're trying to take them out, basically. And there's a shift of power on a global sense. But, um, you know, there's Trilla. Do you know what I mean? It basically does the same thing as TikTok. So, you know, there are alternatives out there. I think Trilla's like number seven or something in the downloads app chart kind of thing. So it's, um, it's getting more and more popular as the days go on. Anyway, TikTok, they're not even here for us. They block black creators. They were blocking people using the hashtags Black Lives Matter. They review black um, creators' content before it goes live as well, where they're not doing the same thing with white creators and stuff. So they're not here for us anyway. So sooner or later, we're going to have to find an alternative anyhow. So, so who hasn't spoken? Troy. If there was a blanket law like to say, look, we've got to pull out from these apps and things because it's China-made, China-backed, would you conform and do the same? Yes, I would actually. Obviously, China is quite advanced in terms of technology, and we don't know what these 
apps can pick up in terms of capturing your data or any information that you use. So that would be my sole reason why I personally just pull out of it. If it was mandatory, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be forced to do anything. So mm. from my view, it's like, I'm sorry, I'm not buying that. I'm just not with it. So no, nope, I'm not putting it on my phone. It's not going to go on. So if anyone else wants to jump on it, that's their business, but not my business. What about you, Lee? You know what? My son loves TikTok. He's like, he's 11 and he's all over it. Um, his cousins. I don't, I don't get Yeah, I don't get it. I don't know, I might just be dry, but... <laughs> and you sound pink daddy, peak uncle, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I try, I try and I'm like, nah, it's, it's not for me, I don't get it. I'm not laughing, they look at me like I'm weird. But... <laughs> what about you, Chris? Have you got a TikTok account? No chance, I don't even think I have the time to be on it if I did, but no. I haven't got a TikTok account myself. Patrick, have you got a TikTok account? And did you, what do you feel about this? I don't have a TikTok account. It's just that I know that my daughters literally are obsessed with it. So I just feel for them when, when the day comes when, uh, yeah, they can't use it anymore. So that's, that was my concern. I was thinking when I, when I saw the story, I was thinking, man, when they pull TikTok, boy, these two girls of mine are going to, Gonna be, <laughs> gonna be climbing the walls and, and depressed and stuff, you know. Like, so, as fathers, uncles, brothers, whatever, how do you not feel about the social media, the, the way it's taken over the young people, and how they literally can't do anything without having their phone in their hand? Obviously, I can tell that all of you, you know, were there when phones and things weren't necessarily a thing. I'm assuming. <laughs> well, that's well, a way of saying you are old. <laughs> Listen, boy, it is what it is, isn't it? You can't even hide it. Like, boy, man's nearly 50, so boy. Well, there you go. My youngest of my, my two youngest children, um, she's uh, eight and she's in year three. And she hasn't been back to school yet. And she's driving us absolutely potty. Trying to get her to do some work. It's a madness at the moment because it's been so long. She's just not having it. And all the parents are saying the same thing. They're all saying the same thing. Whereas my daughter, that's in year six, she's been going back to school consistently. And she's been okay. And I was saying to myself, why couldn't they stagger the children and have maybe some going for three days, some going for two days, rather than have some going consistently and some not going at all? It's not fair. Is it the social media that she's distracted by why she can't do any work or she won't do any work? Yes, yes. Phones in general are dumbing down society. It's like you've got to look at it like a superpower. It comes with a great responsibility. Because I remember back in the day, this red phone box. I knew everyone's phone numbers. I can't remember. I, I remember mine, but I can't remember anybody else's. I, I know 999 and my number. Richard, you work with artists and stuff, so obviously social media is a tool that used for promotion and stuff like that, but is, have you noticed any kind of the dangers of it all when it comes to musicians and people that... I can tell you right now, social media has been the biggest pestilence in my life. Right. We have every form of communication these days, and yet young people do not know how to communicate. It's gone to a stage where they will just actually, they feel brave to text, but they won't actually call a person. They don't want to meet a person in, in person. You've got influencers out there that say they're influencers, but yet they won't go out because they have um, anxiety and mm. things like that. Right. So basically, social media has made these brave people at home in a little corner, but in the real world, it does a transition. And basically there's a lot of people with anxiety, insecurities and things like that. And I work with a lot of young people and trust me, I see it all the way through. And I'm like, I can't believe they could never go through the things that we've grown up on that way. And social media has made life so easy for them not to basically mingle with people and have that human connection with people. It's good in certain ways, but 
in other ways, these young people are going to have problems. Well, really, it's like socialising how we see socialising, but everything changes. So maybe the yeah. way that they're going to socialise is how humans are going to be socialising. It's like just evolution. We may think it's wrong, but maybe it is how it's supposed to be. Like they're just going to be a different type of human being to us. It's got its pros and, you know, it's pros and cons. I'm concerned, obviously, with social media, especially where young kids are concerned. Basic things that we would normally do, you know, go to school, come home, talk about what was your day like, mm. basic communication, having them sat around the table, having something to eat and tell them what their day consisted of. Nowadays, you've got kids in the car, they're sitting beside each other and texting each other. Really? Social skills in terms of liaising with people has gone completely out the window. How are these children going to be able to form relationships? Can't form relationships where you are going to be texting all the time if you're going to be there talking to potential em employers. It's that, you know, one-to-one -one communication. It's paramount. The plus to it, I suppose, if you're going to go through things like marketing, you hit a wider audience because you can put things online, you can do your videos, and then instantly it's gone global. So in that aspect, in terms of hitting a wider audience, there's a positivity. But on the other zone, in terms of one-to-one -one liaison and talking to people, that caused them a lot of problems. I've seen it. I do a lot of mentoring as well. And I've seen it with kids where, you know, social skills are just non-existent. So I just think it's trying to work that balance that those kids can, you know, be able to survive in this world and adapt. That's what I think. So there's pros and cons. I really agree with what Auntie Nana said there, that um, I think we're looking at it from our perspective and the world to come is going to be completely different. So like Troy was talking about interviews there and stuff. I mean, the interviews are probably going to all be video interviews now and stuff like that going forward. We're not going to be, we're just not going to be um, around each other like we used to be. And I would use like an analogy of like writing, for example, like I remember in school, handwriting was so important, handwriting lessons and learning how to write correctly. And how many of us actually write anything to anybody now? It's just all typing, 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 texts and WhatsApp and messages. We don't even need to be able to write anymore. You don't even need to be able to spell. Yeah. <laughs> We're being dumbed down. And with writing, in order to read my handwriting now, I need like a Rosetta Stone. It's just like... <laughs> It's like, what is this? What did I write? But in terms of um, social media and how the, this new generation are living, what if COVID was a way of making us all that way? Do you know what I mean? Social distancing, work from home, interviews by Zoom, all of this stuff could be the way that they were making it work, not just for the new generation, but for everybody. Who knows? And it, Auntie Nana, this is your yeah, conspiracy yeah, yeah. tea. Yeah, I think that's exactly <laughs> part of it. <laughs> Richard, what were you going to say? What's actually happened is the introverts have changed into extroverts and yeah. the extroverts have changed into introverts. Mm. So the people that love being out there, they're like, oh my gosh, I can't cope, I can't cope. And the people that were stuck in their little corner, they love this whole lockdown. Yeah, that's true. They were thriving. So it's kind of crazy. So it's going to be a brand new world, put it that way. Mindsets are going to be different. So I just wanted to know, you guys have come together. Obviously, we saw Patrick's iconic picture that went viral, talking about social media and the, the landscape. And you guys have come together um, to form United to Change and Inspire. So one, I want to just get into this whole movement that you guys have come together and find out a bit about since that day of the protest and since your picture went viral, 
Patrick, what life's been like for you and the guys that you were with on that day? And maybe give her like a nutshell of what happened on that day. Um, I'll start with Patrick. Well, in terms of my life since that day, I want my old life back. That's the first thing I'll say, because it's just been absolute madness. I, I could never have imagined um, it could be like how it is. And I do not know how people who are in the public eye, celebrities or whoever, why they want to be celebrities and how they cope, because it's absolute madness. My Instagram account was jammed up, still jammed up. I've got backlog of messages I haven't responded to. Lots of well wishes and stuff and people really thanking me and really, really nice messages. But my, my account keeps locking up because there's so many messages in the backlog. I had loads of emails. I've had fan mail. I've had cards. People have painted murals. Um, I'm having a portrait. I'm having so many things done. I can't even, the list is endless. So on one side, it's been quite humbling and gratifying to see people so um, impressed with what I did and like, you know, wanting to sort of do something to show their gratitude towards me. But on the other side, the interviews, not, not, I'm not included in you guys, the constant people <laughs> messaging for interviews and the constant phone calls and from, you know, I've got people from Korea calling me, people from Canada, Australia, all parts of the world ringing off my phone, harassing my family. It's, uh, it's been mad. It's been mad. Have you heard from the guy that you saved? That's what I want to know. Have you heard from him? We haven't heard directly from him. The son were trying to put something together a few weeks back, which we didn't want to be involved in, some sort of reconciliation. They had him in the paper, I think originally. I think they paid him for the story and stuff. But it's not something that we want to entertain right now. I'm not saying we wouldn't do it in the future, but right now we, we think it would cause us probably more damage than, than good. So we're not really interested in, in that. What do you guys think, actually? It'd be interested to find your auntie's perspective on that. What do you think would happen? Would you think we should meet him or not? When I saw the picture, obviously you, you see a picture and then you're like, what the... Immediately it went to, this is going to be used as a... What the? What was that? <laughs> it's going to be used as a marketing tool to show that, you know, black people, we're the saviors and racism's okay and done with and it's all right. You know, racism doesn't exist anymore. And so I was really concerned about where that picture was going to go and how that backstory was going to be revealed. And then when I heard that you guys were going to be on the news, again, I had reservations because I was thinking, yeah. and this is no holds barred, true facts. First of all, I was like, I really hope they're not apologists and they're going to say, yes, all lives matter. I was wondering what your relationship status was in regard, not whether you were single, but whether, whether you were into black women. I had all these thoughts and other women had these conversations like what kind of guy is going to go on the news and represent for us in this way um, and be the spokesperson in this way. So I was concerned. So when I saw the um, your news, I think the Channel 4 news piece, I was actually pleasantly relieved that you guys sound like brothers that I break bread with. My concerns were soon alleviated. But, and, and, and this is the thing, it's a lot of responsibility to place on someone who did some, an, an innocent act, but those are the thoughts. And so if you going to meet the guy, I don't know about that. And I was gonna ask Jermaine, you kind of resonated with a lot of people because you were kind mm -hmm. of like- We weren't doing it for him so that the kids weren't ending up and being prosecuted for murdering some dude or going to jail for grievous bodily harm, da, da, da. and that's what we wanted to hear. That's Watching really you guys, it's like, we didn't want... We all said that, by the way. I yeah. said that and, I know, I know, it was just a snippet <laughs> that they showed. It was a snippet <laughs> that they showed. But that's what we wanted to hear. We didn't want to hear the old rhetoric that generally 
when a black person goes on, they then kind of be like, oh, I would do this for anybody. You know, he's a fellow human being. Like, you know, you lose your humanity and you give this person more humanity. Like, I, I needed to save them. But really, it was like actually just hearing that, like, we were doing this specifically to save the young people's lives, not specifically for him. It brought the humanity black to black people, and that's what we wanted to see. So that was relieving because as soon as it was being touted about that you guys were going to be doing media, it is a thing of, oh, what type of black men are these? Mm -hmm. Because there is that distrust there anyway, like, are we going to be represented? Are they going to be black men that the white establishment want to wheel out, that they want to have in front of us because it's a safe black personality that they're going to put forward, not necessarily a black personality that's going to challenge a journalist or make wider society think a bit more about the situation and what's going on. Personally, I don't think you need to meet the man. I do think he needs to do a public thank you to you on the same yeah. platforms that got you guys on, they need to be interviewing him and he needs mm. to justify why he was there. Yeah. He needs to speak on that and, and actually be like, thank you for saving me. And we, we need some reckoning. I feel like he needs to be flogged in public and actually be ashamed of why he was there, like actually atone for why he was there. I think that's important. From my perspective, yeah, definitely, okay, maybe all of you said it but Jermaine I saw it that I saw you say it first and I was just like that's the energy that's the absolute energy that I wanted to hear and basically why is because it's just like Auntie Nana was saying it's just another it's an alternative narrative than being the kind of like shriveled like black person it's just gonna be like oh you know we're just trying to do the right thing we're just gonna turn the other cheek and I bun that we're not, we're, not, we're not here for that at all. What I was worried about was just the framing that it's down to black people to solve these issues. And actually it's not, it's down to white people to solve these issues because they have the issue. So I was just really, really grateful for that and really grateful to just hear those things on such a national platform. In terms of meeting the guy, I don't think it's necessary. If the shoe was on the other foot, they don't do that for us. So why even give them the platform? I think Antonin is right in terms of like public apology, of course. I think that their organization, the people that they represent, they should be donating to black causes. It needs to be loud. As loud as they've used Patrick's image, that's how loud this apology needs to be because they can create a whole narrative from this thing that will stand the test of time to say that us as black people, we're so forgiving that even in the height of people being racist against them, that we want to save them. Yeah. Get the hell out of here. It's not that. <laughs> so I think that they that that's what needs to be done. Yeah, no, I wasn't suggesting that anyone meets him. I just wanted to know exactly what all the aunties have just said, where this man stands now what his views are now. Now that you've been shamed, basically, where do you stand now? Do you still agree with all the reasons why you went and marched? And I think that the media should get behind pushing that story, like push, get behind finding out what he thinks and feels now. Now that you've been, you know, you've been saved, for want of a better word, by the black very people that you went up against, do you still feel the same way? Because surely you can see that your views are nonsense. That's what I want to hear. That's the story that I want to hear. It's not so much that I expect you guys to sit in a room with him because why should you bun that? Like Auntie Shade said, there's no need. But it is a case of explain yourself now. You know, like when you present racists with facts mm. and 
It's like, you have these facts now. Are you still going to stand up and say what you're saying? Or are you actually going to like take on board what the evidence is? That's what I'd like to know. Like you went to go and do all these things to these people and your, your family left you in a position of vulnerability and you were taken to safety by someone else who was there to protect their own. So where do you stand with this now? That's, that's what I want to hear. I was glad that Patrick actually asked what you guys think because everyone keeps asking us what we think, but it's good to see that um, the other side we can read comments and we can read what people say about us and stuff like that. And um, it's good to actually verbally hear face to face or whatever, what you actually uh, wanted or thought about us before or after. And the energy that you're speaking, how um, you was glad that Jay said this and I said that and we weren't there to save you. We fathers, us, we left the house with that energy. We all had that same energy. Right now, it's not our time. This march is not for us. This march is for our kids and our kids' kids. But we're going to go out there, oversee the kids. They can scream, they can shout, they can march, they can sing. If they need to fight, then defend yourself if you need to fight. You don't need to start the fight to win the fight. Me and Chris pulled up one new doing graffiti in front of Babylon. 80 police officers walking and he's doing graffiti. After the police grabbed him, emptied his bag, we took him away from the police officers and steered him in the right direction. This is the things we were doing all through the day. But everyone don't see all that. And that's fair, because that's the frustration. They, they'll pluck out a moment and shape the narrative. So it's really, like we've all said, we were relieved that when you guys were on the news, you presented a side of things that we resonated with. And it was important that we don't often get that. It doesn't always happen. Why do we always want to hear and see the, the so-called rogue mentality? And that's what we only can do. I'm just talking about the wider community when some of them were saying, no, man, the man's dead, man, the man's dead. Everybody else who, who was um, seeing what we did as a negative, a lot of people saw our community and said it was, a, it was a negative thing that we did. And we would do more than just going out there doing the same thing that the white public expects from us. And regarding meeting this guy, we don't need to meet him face to face. If we need to meet him, it will be behind closed doors. No one needs to know. We don't need to go to Piers Morgan and sit down and have a three minute discussion and shake hands and hug it and the world's all better. That was never the case. But again, we are all different ages and our mindsets will think different at certain things. And Patrick might think, you know what, but I'm older now. I'm past how, how I'm thinking right now, Jay. So I want to actually understand what he's thinking about. Why would he do that? Plus, she was a police officer. So literally, we want to literally dig out all of his arrests because he, we know he's a racist. So now you've yeah. been arresting our black boys and sisters yeah, for how many years you were a police officer. Yeah. So we need to dig into you, all of your arrests. So everyone's got this different mindset. Patrick mm -hmm. could be thinking that, and I could not be thinking that. This is why sometimes could have more than one game plan. Chris, could you like talk about how this moment, what it's been like for you? It's been an interesting experience. And similar to what my brothers have said, it's reflective of all of your feedback as well. Being strong black women with very intelligent perspectives. And I love what Antifara said as well. I have a very similar perspective from what Antifara said in regards to giving this clown a platform to at least show a lot of the British public and the global public what their true colours are. Um, I would want to hear what his motives are how he's allowed himself to be racist, what sort of influence, what influence and drives him. And I find a lot of people should be able to, one, relate to him, and two, be forced to reflect the racists, the racists within themselves. 
I, I, if I was to meet the guy, even privately, I would literally say, what is your driver? Why are you racist? What are your insecurities? And a lot of people who claim not to be racist or claim to be the whole white, all lives matter, BS, who usually deny their true colors, should be able to reflect them. Same way they reflect in Trump, same way they reflect in sort of party leaders on this side who are terrorists themselves. So on that note, I wouldn't mind hearing his story, not from an apology, not from me, not for a hug or anything like that. None of us need that. But just more so, it allows other people to see the racism within themselves um, and hopefully make some um, fundamental changes from there. In regards to how we met, we all known each other from a martial arts, all of us from martial arts backgrounds. A few of us worked in community as well. So we've been on the scene with each other for a few years. Pat and myself and Jay met on the day. Everyone else, like one of our other guys, Lee, Jay, we've been in sort of in different sort of martial arts circles. So we heard call outs from Jay and one of our other friends who was reaching out to the community and saying, look, this is what's happened the night before. The police lady got hit off the horse. They were charging our children. That was Jay's message. Let's just go out and protect. And five of us are the vast network that we had. Five of us were the ones who showed up at Vauxhall Station to literally go out and protect our youth from one, the terrorists, the EDL terrorists, two, from the police, because their responsibility is to protect and serve, and clearly that's not what they're there to do. Um, and three, some of them from themselves, because unfortunately we do have a lot of false influences and a lot of false leaders within our own community who were going there for the wrong reasons. And one thing that we spotted on the day was the police were there in full force. The police could have intervened in a lot of these interactions and they chose not to. But what they did do is they were filming and capturing and recording a lot of the people perpetrating and incriminating themselves. And straight away, I could see there's an agenda, as always, there's an agenda behind this. It's only going to take a few days before the police start looking over that evidence, because it's all evidence, and start knocking on people's doors. So one of my things within our own community, because we can't always blame everybody else, we have to be self-reflective as well. We need to be mindful of, if these police do come and start knocking on people's doors, I really hope these influencers and these false leaders who are calling these kids out to come and incriminate themselves, go and represent these kids in court, worst case scenario, and heaven forbid, but if it does come to that, a lot of these kids are going back home to their families, re- obviously protesting for the right reasons. We all believe in the right protest. And it's not a Black Lives Matter thing. That's another thing we need to be clear. We are not Black Lives Matter. We, we've never ever said that we were Black Lives Matter. We don't represent Black Lives Matter. We represent our community. So that's the purpose of us going, like I said, we're literally fathers, brothers, skilled warriors coming together to make sure that we're going to mediate and um, oversee the future of our, of our children, protecting them from any potential threat. I'll go to Patrick first, because I think if you drop out and the rest can just finish up as well, then um, everyone will get a chance to speak. So Patrick, just, I guess, where you're at now and what, what you're hoping for going forward with your movement. All the stuff we're trying to do, unfortunately for me, I'm, I'm kind of a lot of the, the focal point for a lot of it. So if I pull away, it's not going to help what we're trying to build as well. You know, with our charity and all the rest of it, you know, United to Change and Inspire, although we're one group, I'm needed to help spearhead that whenever possible. And also, uh, I think I've got a platform now, so I, could, I have to use it to try and do some stuff within the community for our children, try and see what we can do in, in terms of the education system, see if we can get black history put on our curriculum for the whole year round, you know, for all the year groups in secondary school, 
as opposed to just one month for the whole year. You know, we want to try and get a proper curriculum together and have it pushed out. You know, Jermaine wants to work, you know, within the criminal justice system because obviously we're unfairly represented there. So there's lots of stuff that we want to do as a group. Do any of you feel like you're a target now? Because when you are kind of like in these types of things, even though you might be coming from a positive perspective... It might not be seen like that to other people. So I just wondered if you felt like a target and if so, like how you plan on dealing with that. Um, I haven't really been getting any negative feedback. It's nothing but love, to be honest. But um, if there has been any negative, it's just probably been from people that are really sour about um, the situation about when we went down there. It's like some people wanted the limelight, shall I say, but I don't know how they could turn something so, probably done so positive into something so negative. Some people down there um, and they was trying to get the youngers down there to fight and to, and it was just call it calling them out and things like that. And uh, our agenda was uh, something completely different. We never went down there to be heroes. We just went down there and just done our thing. But it was just a coincidence that we got caught by camera doing that thing. But some people went down there and wanted clout, wanted the likes and stuff like that. And then when they, when we wasn't giving them any recognition, they started getting a bit funny. And it's mad because it's from our own people, that self-hate black people. It was a weird experience, but it was just, it was just bad to see. You just had to just shake your head and it's like, how could you, how, you're, they're as bad as the racists mm. if they're trying to um, put down something that, that, that what we've done what made you guys create the group united change and inspire what does what made you decide to bring that group together off the back of um, the movement that we've had we've had a lot of positive attention and a positive platform and we've been introduced to a lot of real influences that can actually make constructive change so it's a responsibility that we can either use for the wrong reason but we obviously want to use it for the right reasons and go into schools go into like jay said a prison system look tap into things like mental health children activities, things that don't have funding and get ignored within our community and just make the right efforts with um, the opportunity that we've been given right now. So off the back of that, it's using the charity and speaking the voice, being a voice and connecting all the people right now who don't have the resource or the access so we can make those fundamental changes. See, it's really good that you guys are in the forefront, maybe even reluctant heroes, as it were, because there's a lot of criticism about black men showing up for us and being in this space and being present. So how do you guys feel about maybe that, as you said, there's some negativity with some guys, with some of the people going down there to turn our kids the other way, but then you guys are representing and showing a different side of black men. Do you, have you generally felt that black men get a bad rap for not being present, accused of not being present, or has that been something that you guys have had to battle on a day to day? I hear that question, right? You know what, to me, that is such a, um, a media-driven, backwards question. Um, wow. Now, because, no, because everyone keeps thinking that dads are not there, dads don't do, dads are there as well. So but just because what... some dads are not in their kids' lives doesn't mean that other dads are not. That's what we've always been pushed on, that black men are never there for their family and da-da-da-da. You know what, some of it is true, but there's white people who are dads is just the same. But when I was down um, on the march, the week before Pat picked up the man, I just saw a lot of young people down there and then the police were putting hands on them. And I just called for my grizzly man who I see in the clubs, who I see in Satie Bar, who I see, who I see on the road outside McDonald's or KFC, or, or I see down Clapham Common when it's hot or I see when I'm in the gym training, my Muay Thai or whatever. These are the guys I was calling for on my Instagram to say, yo, man, them, 
we need to go down there because the terrorist is calling out his people. And yes, I was upset because they, yeah. did, they didn't answer the call. They didn't answer the call. But when I got there, there were mans I'm out there. There were mans, but we, there should have been more. There should have been more, so yeah. No, because I, I wasn't accusing you lot. I'm just saying that because the reputation is out there, this is why it's like, it's great that you guys are in the forefront because you're changing and helping to change the narrative. Yeah, I'm sorry if I, if I went on one. Yeah, I understand okay. what you're saying. Thank you. Um, but again, I'm sorry, my lovely. Um, can I say that, or auntie? Um, we, us, who, who you're speaking to now, we've been living that life anyway, where we will be in the community, we will be uh, doing that uncle thing, doing that father thing. We've been doing it, so to us, it's just natural that we just all linked up on that day and just did it anyway. We didn't even think about it. And even right now, I probably say not thought about it too deeply. That's what we need to see, because there is that reputation. I actually, back, I think we do ourselves a disservice when we take on stereotypes to disprove them. It actually shouldn't be our motivations, because we know that there are a few that are not there, but the majority in my life, their dads are present, uncles are present, people are actually like, they're there. And this stereotype, it really is a stereotype. It is a minority that they shine a light on because again, that takes away our humanity. So I really don't think black men need to be championing anything other than themselves. They just need to be themselves. You don't need to take on the next man's ills because he isn't there because that story then perpetuates that. Then it becomes like it's factual, like this is how it is when really it isn't. The majority of Black and African people in this country have access to both parents and we're not in perpetual singledom like what they're trying to put as this is our story. It's not. But that's why it's important that these people are seen, well, not by force, but it's the fact that because we have, a lot of us have swallowed that narrative, if people don't see it, they keep perpetuating the same lines. And they have taken on what's, as Jermaine said, it's a social media thing. As you said, it's a community thing that we've kind of embedded into our own psyche placed upon us from society. So when we do see these people, it's unfortunate that it has to be that they're in the forefront. You don't have to be, but what's happened is it's a good thing because people can see people to aspire to because people would never know because there's, there's doing stuff in the dark and people continue to say the negative, oh, my dad's not there, my uncle's not there, blah, 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 blah. But now you've got these men that are showing a different side of things to the conversation that keeps getting put out there. So it's not that necessarily you have to walk out there and telling everybody that we're different black men. But the fact that you're there, I think is a good thing because you, it gives some people that hold on to that negative stereotype less reason and less excuse to hide behind that and say, well, this is what I come from and this is what it is. No, because there's people out there that have got different mindset. And as you lot have said, this has been something that you've been from day one, but yet people still want to believe the hype and the social media meme of, what it, of the negativity. And what, what we have to remember as well, they didn't build this society for us. So when they were saying to our mothers that, you can have these benefits, but the father can't be in the house. Yeah. They were setting this up from a long time ago. Yes. They were setting this up from a long time ago. So now mum's telling dad, yeah, 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 you can't come in because the government, or oh, yeah, or come out of my house. Yeah, because I need, my, I need my money. So the government was making the woman have that mindset that she didn't need that man in the house. And then the man is like, oh, she don't want me in. All right, I'm going down to Shirley down the road. This is why granddad had... had and, uh, his little friend down the road and his little uh, and his other friend down the road. Okay. This is what is, you have to you know it's true and this is a build up to what the bigger picture of what they wanted and they wanted us as a black community to be broken. 
This is why if there's one black MP that comes in, everyone's going to criticise him, break him down, dig out his history, and then say that he's no good. Instead of saying, well, there's a black guy there, just try and run for him. But they'll run for Boris without breaking down his history. After Boris has got four wives and how many baby mothers? He's a paint, got paint on him. If you backface him, he's a so-called token black guy. But yeah, he's in number 10. And this is our problem. And we need to be together. And this is why United to Change and Inspire is here. That phrase there can work on anything from young gang violence, gang and gang, getting together, working together, stop killing each other, being CEO in the media. Why do you have to be a, a light-skinned girl to go in front when we've got our beautiful black girls who can be in front? Or there's so much things that literally you can use our name to help. And this is what we're trying to do, man. Just all of us got our different passions and different mindsets. We don't think as one person, as in I'm passionate about prison and police. Patrick's education, Lee's community. Chris, again, his community as well. He wants every area's got a David Lloyd's type of self-help hub for everyone. Oh, I love that. I was just thinking, it's kind of like my news story as well. I was going to be on um, Minister Farrakhan's speech that he gave on the 4th of July, like his address to the nation. And really, his speech consists of so many different points. But one thing that is kind of similar to what you guys are doing is he speaks about the rise of what they're calling the black militia in America. So that is groups of men bearing arms, but also if you're not carrying arms, it's like actually creating our own type of police force, like really community policing, but is for us and by us. And looking over what you guys have done and where you have like the martial arts specialism and going out to the march to help really to actually like look after the community. I was thinking there's lots of resonance there. And have you guys seen that speech? And is that the type of movement that you want to see moving forward that more black men and women really take on a community role and get involved in actively shaping how our community moves forward as well as policing our community as well? Thanks for that. Um, Farrakhan's recent speech was brilliant. He was talking so many topics from being a racist to so many different things that I think can resonate and even the word or the understanding of the word racist um, and what it's been used and how it's been confused over the decades so we do sort of resonate with a lot of those messages well I personally do I can't speak for all of my brothers um, but in the top touching on what Jay was saying is one of the strategies that we have in place all of us have our own pillars which we run with and we're blessed to have a new mentor which is Lord Michael Hastings who's still giving us guidance in building our sort of infrastructure and something where we can make, like I said, several times practical and, and lasting changes as well. My pillar personally is mental health. I've personally experienced a lot of challenges being a black man in a corporate industry um, and having to literally resign from that in 15 years in that sort of industry because of racial discrimination that we called it out. But it's also given me the opportunity to start focusing on building the hub that we're all working on now. Um, which is an affordable David Lloyd for our community, where you can literally go and have access, basically like our own Timbuktu, our own Black Wall Street. Um, there's so many new innovations that are coming out nowadays, uh, the Black Pound and all of those things. And we want to sort of incorporate it and educate, re-educate, and just provide wellness to our community because there's so much opportunity. And we want to make sure that we wear our pillars and being a driving force for that. Anybody who wants to come on board and support, 
whether it's Boris Johnson or people from our network as well, more than welcome. And we just want that positive energy to keep it as a driving force going forward. And Richard and Troy, in regards to taking these guys on brand specialist and managing them, why did you guys feel it was important to get involved with them? And in this day and age, if we talked about social media, you need to be branded properly and marketed properly. What are your plans going forward and how are you going to spread the word about these guys? Okay, I'll, I'll come on board on that. Thank you for asking that. I've known Jermaine for many years. Myself, I run a football club, I'm chairman for a football club, and the same thing we spoke about um, earlier with regards to black men standing up and looking after our community. I do a similar thing on a voluntary basis for the last 30 years, taking care of our young black men for the challenges they face. Apart from that, I also am a brand specialist. I have my own design agency where I've worked at international companies doing brands globally. Um, I saw an opportunity, obviously speaking to Jermaine and seeing the fantastic job that all the gentlemen had did um, in terms of rescuing that guy. And um, it was, what could we do with that? How can these guys be the pillar of society in terms of making a change in what they were doing on um, being the face of change how could we work on that as a brand? Um, I had a conversation with Jermaine and then Jermaine introduced me to the other guys. I already knew Patrick. Because I've worked on international brands before, I saw this as a global brand that could be transcended into different avenues. So hence the reason speaking to these guys, we thought, okay, let's work on that and look at the core values of what they stood for and build on that. The brand has been built and that will be launched shortly. But the key values that these guys stood for was something of strength and showing a different um, representative of the negative narrative that's constantly shown about our community. And um, the different personalities show different aspects of what these guys did. And that's what the brand stands for. So the united to change and inspire. So united meaning that obviously we're not alienating anyone. We obviously need women on board. We need young people on board, you know, in terms of what we are doing. The change is because of the movement of what's happening. We're looking to change things in the educational system, reform, mental health, which is very serious in our community. And in the process of doing that, we hope that we can inspire others who follow behind us to take it to that next level. So that's where my point came from in terms of the branding and obviously Rich, through his experience of managing and so forth, we worked together on many projects in the past. Thank you, Troy. Go on, Rich. Well, basically, it was, um, the name itself was just inspired on their actions. I mean, Jermaine said it straight. They went down there to change the narrative. And now, being on TV and everything like that, as you say, they're strong men and they're inspiring others now. And that's where the inspiration comes from. That's where the whole name actually came from. I know I've been pushing and pushing and fighting and this and that on the inside for how many years. And I'm glad that there's more of us that can come together and basically, I don't want to say fight, but it is a fight, right? But we just want people to actually understand us and realize this, don't, don't treat us like your enemy. They are always on the defensive when it comes to us. And all we're trying to do is do what we do best. We can't help doing things good. We're born to be great. Right? I know I was born to be great. So don't fight me, work with me. Now we have a platform by these guys where these guys are loved via what they did. Let's enhance this. Let's work together as a team. Everybody work together, unify, and let's push this brand. And basically, we can make some changes. We don't know how change is going to come, but hopefully it's going to come. Well, thank you, thank guys. You. Thank, thank you, you so much. Richard, Chris, Lee, Jermaine. Thank you so Patrick. much. 
so much thank love you. and thank you so much for everything. Bye. We appreciate you Bye. for the work that you're doing. It's fantastic. Thank so you thank very you much. You thank you. Thank you so much. Um, so <laughs> this week, <laughs> funny things happening on Twitter, other than the fact that I'm being followed by Barack Obama, just Woo! showing everybody, yeah. That's which is wild. Please don't unfollow me if you're a Zealand. But, <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know what's going on there. But anyway, I was uh, looking at Twitter and I, I noticed that uh, Mr. Kanye West had, uh, <laughs> had risen from his slumber and uh, <laughs> got some strange idea in his head that he's going to run for frigging president for 2020. Bloody hell, man. When does this guy rest? Does he rest? I know before he made some claims about running for 2024, I think it was. And he's just speeded that right up. And he's like the perfect example of guys. And I think I saw this on um, Instagram or something and I've seen it before, but like, you know, the fact that guys will always go for jobs that they think they can get, not that they're necessarily (laughs) actually, actually qualified for. We definitely see that with Trump. Kind of seen that with Boris. Now Kanye is trying it. Are you guys ready to have Kim Kardashian as first lady in the White House? Well, it's Kanye, so I'm answering first. I don't really believe that he really wants to run for president this year because let's face it, he's missed out, isn't he? He has to go through a lot of hurdles and hoops and stuff like that. And he's missed out on all of that stuff. In terms of do I want to see Kim Kardashian, what, over a robot? Over, <laughs> over over Stepford wife. Exactly. Hell yeah. I'd rather Kim any day of the week. At least she can hold a sentence. She's educated. Yeah, I would rather see her than Milena, who blatantly has batteries in her back. That kind of just chatting in it. Like people need to get over thinking that everything that comes out of this guy's mouth he means. I actually, I mean, considering I'm not a fan of them, I would actually prefer Kim Kardashian to Melania any day. You know that I'm actually being fair. When she is doing a lot of justice reform, she's trying to be a lawyer, isn't she, and all that type of stuff. So yeah. I don't, not that I give her all the passes, because I think that family have some reckoning to do. But in that respect, I think she will do her damnedest to do her damnedest mm-hmm. best in her position. This is not an entire endorsement, because I don't... But um, at the end of the day, I think she'll try her best in that position if she was to get it. I'm not saying I want her, though. I don't, you know, <laughs> or whatever. But right now, better than Melania. Um, in regards to Kanye, it's not a question of... Um, no, take him seriously. He's made the announcement and he said he's going to do it. And he actually, he's eligible in some states, not all the states. He's missed out on some states. So what the argument is, is that his people voting for him will split the Biden vote and then inadvertently give Trump more votes and give Trump the opportunity to win. And then people are saying, actually, is this a conspiracy because he's come out as a Trump supporter before? So mm. is this some sort of diversion tactic mm. to split the vote? So that is why you can't just ignore what Kanye says because... We should, in general, ignore what celebrities say, right? That's what we're supposed to do, but we can't. So we can't even give him that, and we can't expect the world to be like, oh, Kanye's just talking shit, because he's making a big, bold statement. And you can't be, I don't think it's funny or jokes or games to be announcing shit that you don't mean. That's taking, that's irresponsible, because your following is nuts. And also, I don't think it's fair, or I don't think it's sensible to come in, in this place, and then try and split the vote. But unless, if that's what he wants to do, fair enough, if that's what he wants to do, then that's what he wants to do. But then I am not for that. And I don't think we should take it. Like, we can't take him lightly because, unfortunately, the way the world is, people are already ready to vote for him. People are saying, yes, I'm going to get vote for Kanye. It's a problem. When we're looking at the world as it stands today, it is a problem. If Trump is as dangerous as we believe him to be and Kanye's coming in as a puppet for him, this is not cool. How I read the tweet, yeah, so I haven't read much more into this. I read it like 
I'm going to run for president and then hashtag 2020, this is a 2020 thing. Like not like I'm running in 2020, mm-hmm. like just a, an aside. Like you, shit happens and then you write, yeah, 2020. Like I thought it, he was writing it like that. That said, even if he is, and people think he's going to split a vote, when you have more choice, it's better than only having two polls. Because the more choices you have and the different policies, people then start changing things because then they see the sway is going this way, like, oh, that policy is popular. He could get more votes. And that shifts change. Now, this narrative that you need two parties has been fed to us so that two parties always go, we're in, we're in, we're in, we're in. They play with each other to keep it as two poles. When you have systems that have more, some some countries have like five, change actually happens because the sway is so big. Somebody who is far left has a policy and you see actually they're getting more gravitas then the right start coming along and taking. So you actually can have more change come through parliament when you have way more people in the race. So I don't think it's like, it's a bad thing that he's entering in. It would be better if more independents actually came along with a following to try and shape Democrats and Republican policies because they would have to change. Politics is full of thought, regardless who's in it. Whoever this robot Kanye is, he placed himself amongst these elites as well. It's a game for them. We have to start playing our own game. I see it as a pantomime. This is just something to watch. We don't need to put too much emotion in it. I think you have to take it seriously because people didn't take Trump seriously. He's a TV personality. He's a business person. He's got this larger than life character and people didn't take him seriously at all. And look at us now. We're in the worst times in a long time (laughs) with Trump. Do you know what I mean? We're basically in the middle of a frigging uh race war he's handling a pandemic like so so badly and at every chance he gets he's blaming the democrats or obama do you know what i mean and not taking responsibility for anything while skimming as much money as possible for his own gain right this is where we are at the moment it's very worrying when someone like kanye who has the influence that he has because he does have influence even if he's not serious, he still has influence and people will vote for him. And Kanye, you know, we're not a monolith as black people. And he has been very vocal on his political opinions and he is more Republican. Do you know what I mean? So no way is this a good thing at all. Like he's just a more palatable Republican. I think it's just frigging dangerous and also makes a mockery of democracy as well. Obviously, he has a right to do whatever he wants, but I wish there were more people who were on the left side who would challenge these types of things. I wish Michelle would run. I think that's what I want, because she would win. And Joe Biden hasn't picked his running mate yet still, so you never know. Fingers crossed. You'll see. Trump wasn't taken seriously, but Trump did all the things that he needed to do at this point of the election race in order to be elected. Kanye has not registered. It's four months away and he hasn't done anything that appears to make him interested in really running. He hasn't registered with the Federal Election Commission. He hasn't presented a a campaign platform. He hasn't collected enough signatures to get on the ballot. He's done nothing other than make this statement. And that is why I am saying 
that you have to take what he says sometimes with a pinch of salt. And I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but you just have to look into the actual facts and see where we're at. At this point of the election in whenever the hell it was now, I can't remember, um, 2016, Trump was already the, the Republican candidate. He'd won that part. Kanye's not doing any of that. All Kanye's doing is what Kanye always does, and he's sitting on his phone and he's making noise. That's all Kanye's doing. In terms of he's making a mockery, he can't, like, like, let's be real, he's not in a position to do it. How are they going to vote for someone who hasn't registered to be elected? Unless they're going to be so completely fucking dumb and they're going to go to the ballot box and scratch out everyone's name and write Kanye, you can't vote for someone who's not registered. Also, in terms of it making a mockery of of democracy, I think Trump's done that already. We live in the Western world and they always want to go on about it's a democracy. It's not a fucking democracy. It's not democracy at all. They like to call out communism and they like to call out all of these things. But they're guilty of doing the same by just saying that they're giving us the right to vote. But if you look at how all the elections are won, and it's not about the number of votes that you get, it's about where you get the votes. Yeah. That's how these elections are won. So it's not a true democracy. Like it's not like if we come, if we have a um, disagreement in the group and we say, "Put your hands up, who agrees with that?" And it's like a majority. It's, it's, that's not what it's like. So democracy is a really, really shady word for me, anyway, because in the Western world, it's not real. It's a facade. I agree with the democracy issue. I always use it against the way they like to leverage so-called third world countries that we're run by dictators, but we are run by dictators in the West. It's just they pretend that we they move themselves around, and as Nana says, they play themselves off each other. I, and I do agree that we should have more candidates to choose from. Kanye hasn't registered. I, that's my bad because I read it and I thought he had he was eligible to and he was going to. So yes, on that other on that note, don't take Kanye seriously for sure. If he's not registered to do anything, we can't take him seriously. But when he does register, and if he does register, you can't take what he says with a pinch of salt. You absolutely yeah, can't. That's a whole different uh, ball game. You, but I did at that point. I didn't know that he hadn't actually registered. I thought he was eligible because that's the kind of re- what I was reading that he is eligible in certain states. So if he does register, yeah. he's still got certain swing states that he could manipulate. So it's a question yeah. of if he does it. So there's still a window of him being able to do this. Yes, have more people to choose from. Even people who are worried, as I was, even though I said it, even people who are worried about splitting the vote from and making Trump win. You can't control people anyway. The people are going to do what they want to do. I don't think Kanye. I don't even mind if he's a Republican, if his points are on point. Because at the moment, as we've said, they're all just labels. Mm. But it depends on what those points are. Because some of us, as black people, we're not a monolith, as you said, Auntie Sade. Some of us are quite Republican. Some of us are conservative. Some of us are Labour. Some of us are Democrat. Some of us are liberal. Some of us are green. So if it's all about what these policies are and what people are putting forward. If you're going to have policies that represent the communities that need better representation, whatever your title is, then... That's the person to go for as an individual. I don't say Trump is the one under the umbrella of a Republican. You know, Tony Blair came out being all those guns blazing for Labour and he was a total crock. So, you know, I don't trust any of them, but it is about what their policies are and how much they do better for us as people. Well, I guess this this is part of my point. Um, someone's just commented, uh, Roland, since Kanye could run as a writing candidate. Um, so I don't know. 
but I'm guessing he could still get a position to be a candidate. That's the point. I think that that is part of the issue. If you plant an idea, sometimes these things can come to fruition. He's planting the idea for this to happen. And we've seen over the last three and a half years that Trump has changed every rule, bended everything to his own gain. If he thinks that, do you know what I mean? So it's not impossible for him to be registered before November to get votes, to be able to qualify, to be a candidate. These are the warning signs. These are the red flags that <laughs> that everyone does ignore though. Do you know what I mean? Like if we come November, yeah, and he's a candidate, so if someone says a writing candidate is a candidate in an election whose name does not appear on the ballot, but whom voters may vote for nonetheless by writing in the person's name. There you go. Oh, okay. So therefore, he can be a candidate, right? So it doesn't matter if he's on the ballot or not. So, okay, come November, yeah, I just want to play this bit back okay. if he's a candidate. That's, that's all I'm saying. I just want to play this bit back and say, I told you so. So this is my future self telling you <laughs> you were right <laughs> uh, but you know i might have an egg on my face in the future so don't worry about it Shade. it's okay it's all, it's all right you have good intentions okay but anyway but yeah i do um i do agree that we do live in this whole two-party system and it is kind of a way to control us for sure and we need more parties for sure but i just don't think kanye's it republicans generally do not provide policies that help Black people, just in general, they're not there to serve us. I just don't understand. If anyone's there for the progression of Black people, you cannot be a Republican. It's impossible. What those people are, are for the progression of themselves. And I think that he's just also one of those very selfish people that's not looking at at his community. He's looking at things from himself. He is a massive distraction. And if you're planting in that seed to vote for him instead of voting for Joe Biden, and then Trump actually wins, then shame on everybody. I so disagree that of the thought process that Democrats are the ones that actually are for black people, because they absolutely are not. Just Neither to interject, I'm not actually saying that, I'm just saying the Republicans are not. Do you see what okay. I mean? They're by but, design, but they are not. Both of them, both of them are not, because actually, when it came to emancipation, it was the Democrats who outwardly were vehemently against black people. And there was a whole black Republican sway because they were trying to push that the Republicans were actually the ones that were for black rights and for black mobility and for black people serving themselves. So that was the whole black Wall Street was actually black people voted Republican. And the Democrats systematically then tried to change history, which people, they threatened families basically to vote for them or you die. And because of that insidious trauma that we've had and they've leveled at us, over time we forget because that's what trauma does. And so you don't know where it began that, that people started voting Democrat, but that's what it was. It was because they were threatened to vote for them. And then now we think that they do things for black people when history tells us that actually the biggest thing that is threatening African-Americans now is the prison population and that so many black people are in prison. And that was under the Democrats watch. And we can't get away from that. It's like, I don't understand this big divorce from in the same way over here, the Labour Party has done some shit 
to the black community that we let slide because the right votes conservative, but we don't actually go into conservative policies. And actually, most black people that's within us, if you think of like Africans back home, we have our own businesses. We actually are way more conservative in how we bring up our children. We are way more self-serving. Like we create our own wealth. And this lean into the state actually sanctioning that you can do this or, or the state providing benefits, that wasn't a black thing. That wasn't, it wasn't in our nature. It's actually not how our societies ran. If you go in our society structures, it's actually way more conservative. But this is poison that they've been feeding to us that it's like we're more left side and we're absolutely not. We're actually way more for our families. We're way more for sustaining our own lives and not depending on the state for anything. Right and left, they need us to be at the bottom. So both parties have their ways to keep black folk down and they do it. And it's like none of them are for us really they're both as bad as each other joe biden is like hillary is like trump. yeah i know and if you think of trump and hillary if i was american and i was faced with those two i would have really started looking into those emails that hillary was trying to hide because there was some dirty shit that that woman was up to where it comes to pedophilia bribing judges like all of that's in those emails like trump isn't lying when he's like she needs to be prosecuted she does he also needs to be prosecuted because he's also been around pedophiles he's also been accused of rape it's like they are all the same you know there's pictures of them and they were dining together for years it's it's the same shit different day and we really don't even need to be arguing over who is right because they're both rancid. The whole structure needs to go. They're all as bad as each other. But I definitely would prefer an outspoken fool like Trump than a sly rat like Biden. If I'm going to have my poison, I want my poison served to me in a cup to my face than in my food and I'm thinking, oh, you're giving me a nice meal. Mm. I would just prefer to go down face to face, like be honest about it than sly. I don't know if he's completely honest, though. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Trump does a lot of fucking bullshit. He does. Yeah, he's very open with a lot of his bigotry, but he's not 100% honest either. So if it, let's think about what he gives us. What is he hiding? Because he's not giving us everything. He's not showing us all his cards. So what's he hiding? If he can be that blatantly dishonest to our faces, what is he hiding? So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think we've all, sorry, I was just going to say, I think we've all said it loads of times that politicians, they're all alike. They're all wolves in sheep's clothing. We don't, you know, you just have to try and pick bits of the information that they give you that matches what you need to strive for in your life. But they're all as bad as each other. We do need people that are not afraid to put themselves on the front line, but also we need people that are not easily compromised. Hmm. That's the problem. And politics, and when you get into politics, I'd love Michelle to be president. I don't know what that would have to do with me, but in the UK, <laughs> but I'd love, for her to, I'd love for her to have someone like her in power, but how much will she be compromised? I don't know if Barack Obama went in expecting to come out on the other side quite so gray. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, 100%. Like, yeah, and that young, hopeful Chicago senator or whatever, you know, you have all the passion in the world about righting the world's wrongs, unless he really was deep down like, fuck it, I know what this is. I'm just going to con the people. If he wasn't a con man, 
then his moves were really stifled. They went to war to stifle that man. And then in the end, he's come off of a legacy that's a little bit tarnished and because he, he didn't do enough for black folks. I do think he was stopped from doing what he wanted to do for black yeah. folks. But also, we don't know behind the scenes. We really genuinely don't know how much they get turned. Or if they go in with that mindset, know what's going to happen and just there to, you know, placate people for a second. I don't so know. I wouldn't even want um, Michelle to be harmed that way. And that's annoying because we can't even get leaders that we want because actually, do they get corrupted and brought down or assassinated in the worst case scenario? Do you know what I mean? So We are in society. Do you know what I mean? We are an active part here. And the decisions that are made within um, government, they do affect us. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Whether it's directly or indirectly, it does affect us. And like I do hear that point, Antonana, about, yeah, traditionally we are more conservative. Yes, we are. It doesn't necessarily mean that's necessarily a good thing, though. And also as well, like I always think when I'm voting that I'm not necessarily always voting for me. I yeah. try and vote for my community. What's best for my community? Because someone like me, and I can only really speak for myself, it's just like, I am kind of in a privileged position. I'm not the norm, but the majority of my community is not where I am. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what is the best way to help them? It's like what you're saying, Auntie Farah, about the bus it's like, what's the bus that's going to get them the closest? Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? So this is why things like this, I guess they do infuriate me sometimes because he's getting on the bus in the other direction, man. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. And it's just like, yeah. that's that's not going to help us right now. And I think it's a, I want to say cheap, like it's just so annoying. It's so annoying that he's yet another, and my favourite phrase, problematic <laughs> black man with a platform. I'm sick of him. Yeah, so I wanted to talk about uh, Bianca Williams and her partner, her partner, Ricardo Dos Santos, who are both Olympic medalists. So they had their baby in the back seat and her boyfriend was driving and the police pulled them over, loads of them pulled them over and very aggressively proceeded to drag out the boyfriend, drag her out. And she was like, I've got my baby, what's happening? And they said, we're arresting you um, under suspicions of uh, weapons. So related, no? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, her boyfriend said that he's been stopped, I think it was 17 times in the last three years, basically since he's bought that car, he's been stopped. I didn't watch it, I read it and I was like, oh. yeah. I don't even know what to do anymore because I the only thing I can say in quotes I'm glad about is the fact that the UK's white natives are saying that, you know, oh my gosh, America is so bad and it's not like that over here. Well, here we go. We know that there's police prejudice and bias and racism and brutality over here. And it's coming out more and more over here too. So. <laughs> I don't want it to get to George Floyd's status. We already had the Mark Duggan situation and others, many others, but that was the one that erupted the UK. Let's not get to that point, but let us fully understand that the police institution is not for us. In that bracket, calling block parties in white cities. Oh my God, I was going to talk about that. As as an illegal rave, but yet congregations in Soho and Portobello police quietly because that's like they're not doing anything they're just standing mm. there chilling maybe even having a pint, cheeky pint behind those mm. doors who knows this i don't even know what to say it's so interesting that what the guys are on before are coming together to do and what we need more of and then as you mentioned nana the militia that's growing in america i saw i didn't see farrakhan's speech but i did see i think chuck d was with a group of black men that were armed taking the knee mm. and making speeches and marching we need that but I, you know we've been beat down so much and had our leaders assassinated so much that I'm actually scared for this as well because I want it, but I'm also scared for it because like, we need police to police the police. 
We need black police to police the police that's supposed to police us. What the fuck is that? It's nonsense. Mm. But yeah, we need this. We need some sort of code. We need some Black Panther resurgence. We need some sort of militia. But how long are they? How long are they going to let that run, really? And I don't want us to be fearful of that. I think we should venture forward. But this is the beginning of the race war. Like if they're talking about race war, this is how it starts. Because once we start bearing arms or coming together, we don't have arms mm-hmm. in this country. So I don't know how we will do it. But once America starts bearing arms, like black men start taking. And when the black men come together. And start That's saying, when okay, everyone gets scared. Enough is enough. This is when it's going to get very fucking murky, and I'm perturbed. Yeah, agreed. Um, I tried to watch all the clip. I couldn't. It was just too. It was too disturbing for me. I think the distress in her voice. It was just. Uh, it, it was just a lot. It just goes to show, like it just doesn't matter your position. And I wish the more, iso- not isolated, but the more kind of off key people in our community would understand. And realize, like, it doesn't matter what your position is. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. your color is your color, and that's how people treat you, actually. It, it makes me very tired. I, I'm just, oh. yeah, I'm just sick of it. I hope they're okay. I hope they follow up with any kind of legal procedures they can or whatever. They said the reason why they stopped them, the vehicle had blacked out windows and was driving suspiciously, including being on the wrong side of the road, and it sped off before voluntarily stopping. So Williams has come out and said that she's confused because they weren't on the wrong side of the road. And if you look at the video as well, you can see that they weren't. So it's just, just lying just lying to facilitate their own truth, I suppose. Mm. Same shit, different day. Um, I didn't watch it. I've said this weeks ago, but this is what's going to happen. They're doing this purposefully. They're doing it mm. to trigger us. Although it's like, I really feel for the couple, it's one of those where I see how this serves a real purpose to keep everybody scared. And I really see the police, people in the police force actually like leaving in droves. I think as time goes on, they're really Mm. gonna see that they're a part of a real shitty organization and their humanity is at stake. And Mm. so I'm not watching these things so that my my self-esteem is compromised by this shitty thing that so many officers are, are doing. There's going to be more. They're going to try and throw more black bodies in front of us. They're going to really try and trigger us into something huge. And it's just like, yeah, the game is up. We can see it. It's just time's up. It's just retreat. Like, your time is up. I think it's interesting that there are more, and also that there are some police, like, you know, with the case that Farah talked about, Auntie Farah talked about last week with um, the sisters that were murdered and the police that reported on their police brothers and sisters or whoever did it. So there's an interesting thing that there is, is that they're leaving, possibly going to be leaving in droves, but also internally, is there going to be a culture change, personality change, where then they no longer are going to have this code of blue or whatever, that they don't speak out against corrupt fellow cops. But the other thing I thought that if they do leave, they'll just deploy the military and have that in place. So and though I said, yeah, I'm scared of what happens, you're right, because it's that fear tactic, but they will police leave, military comes in. We've got to have our strategies really sewn up. I actually didn't think about that, but we should be rewarding the people who do whistleblow more. Like, and that's maybe something that we, can be done within the people. Caroline Archer asks on Facebook, do you think we will see a significant change in our lifetime, aunties? I think I'm probably like the most optimistic out of all of us in it, because I really think there's <laughs> going to be a huge change in like five years. The huge change really does come about from 
different types of conversations and it really is shaping it away from feeling like, oh, they're doing this to us, to everybody has to change this for our own internal sakes, like really getting out of victim mode and white people getting out of, oh, I'm helping black people to I'm helping myself. So everybody goes into a sense of, I need to look at how I'm internalizing this for myself. And if I don't speak up when it's happening, I lose parts of myself. Once more people start to really look internally, I think a lot will change. And more white people not I really don't like the word ally because mm -hmm. that's like, you're also in the war as well. The war is being done onto you. You're not an ally, you're a victim too. You're a part of this, they're doing it to you. We're all under the same type of mind control. And once people start waking up, and I think that waking up is happening, that the media is shaping how I'm viewing things. The school systems are shaping how I'm responding to things and I'm losing myself in this. Like, I don't wanna be that person. The more change will happen very quickly. I think it's gonna happen, five years. I think we'll be in a totally different world in five years. I definitely felt a change when, this is gonna so pop light, but when Oprah had her show still, and the moment it's like, whenever I started to tune into that, was it 10, 15 years ago, whenever she, the last couple seasons, two seasons before she ended her show. And I plugged into this whole Eckhart Tolle mindset and power of now and focusing on the now, not the past and all that type of stuff. Just really owning your moment and living life to the moment. Where are you? Who are you? What are you doing now? I felt there was an awakening then. And that's when I felt, okay, there's some sort of shift in the world. And then I felt like, then it just kind of mellowed out. So we're not sure where we're going to end up. So if it's five years, the only thing I'm not sure about is if it's five years positive. I've been naive that in the four months, <laughs> the world was going to be totally changed. We're all going to be <laughs> really awake. We're going to come out of lockdown in our, you know, ethereal wear and robes and everyone's going to hug each other and we're going to be wonderful. And I, I came, I think I went out one time with Auntie Shadow and saw loads of things that pissed me off. I'm like, oh, nothing <laughs> fucking changed at all. However, <laughs> I'm, I am having different conversations with people and with those white people who, ally sticks in my mouth nowadays, because I think, again, it's like when white men saying, oh, I'm pale, male and stale, and I'm, you know, I'm the horrible racist in the room. When they have that, it becomes a fad, then it becomes, it loses its meaning and its powerfulness. And then people just say it as casual words and it just becomes meaningless. However, for those of the white people that are really, realizing that they are part of this too. And this is being, as you said, none of being done to them. I'm hearing different tones in their voices and realizations that, ah, oh, okay. So I really need to do something. So especially in my world, people are mm -hmm. seemingly appearing to want to change things. So if we continue doing what we need to do as black folks, I think we need to work on ourselves at community wise. And I don't mean for the sake of white people, I mean, for ourselves, because I think for a long time, we have had the ghost in the room that is the white man that's been doing it to us, which is fact. However, it absolves us of taking responsibility of the stuff that we need to do to move things forward for ourselves. Yeah. And I think in this moment, back to the guys, the fact that they went down there to try and steer young people from doing nonsense, this is interesting to me because we don't allow ourselves to have that conversation about what our kids are doing, what our young people are doing, because we know society's fucked them up, right? But we're kind of scared to say, well, society's fucked you up, but then what are we doing as people to 
not let them depend on that mindset that the society fucks us up. So then we're going to act a certain way. I'm not trying to put the blame on anybody here, but I'm also saying that what can we do now for our progression? It's not for the benefit of white people, it's for the benefit of us. Are we ready for when the world says, you know what, people, we've done you a disservice. Are we ready to receive it? Or are we still going to be like, oh, the man, the man, the man, the man? Not that we're waiting for them to give it to us, but are we ready to receive the space and take our rightful place on this earth, living righteously as best we can? I can't really, that's a massive question. I think we're taught that we have to forgive over and over and over again. Um, and I often wonder if the shoe was on the other foot, will people be so forgiving? <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like that is one cross that bridge when we get to it. And it really depends. Buddy, sorry, I don't want to forgive anybody. I'm not talking about that. No, no, no. I'm just saying, I'm just saying. We just wait off at the moment. Like I'm actually a very optimistic person in general, but not, not on this. <laughs> <laughs> this is one of the few issues that I'm just like, uh, I don't know, you know, because... The onus of solving racism is always put on us. Even when talking about it, the narrative is always like, oh, if a white person or someone who's not black wants to talk about it, give them the space, let them have discussions, let them do this, do you know what I mean, kind of thing, and have this, you know, so that they can get there. And it's almost like us and our emotions and our, our feelings of it are often put to the side. And we're supposed to have no reaction in that process. And I really resent that. I would like it to happen. I would really, really like it to happen, but I think it's an ideology. It's like a Disney movie. Because if you think about the amount of work that we have to do even within ourselves as black women to come to like a acceptance of our situation and still have the drive to move forward and still inspire people and still lift people up, whether it's raising families or whatever you're doing kind of thing, like that is a lifetime of work. So to expect these people to do this, to do that process, probably even more <laughs> to that process because they're part of a corrupt system but still benefited from it and all of the other stuff. I just don't know if they're capable because to lose power is just such a... Every story that's ever written about losing power, that person is always... <laughs> they're always in distress so you're going against such a powerful narrative and i just don't know roland has been a comment well, the white women that loved oprah voted for trump they did <laughs> so there i mean that, i think that sums up my point <laughs> i just i think auntie nana you're very optimistic five years is uh, it's not it's not going to happen in five years i think it will happen in our lifetimes but that's only because I think we're going to live to be very old. Like, <laughs> <laughs> our great-great-grandchildren, them babies might be all right, but as for us, it's not happening. I heard someone refer to um, racism and supremacy, white supremacy, like grief, like five stages of grief. And it's mm. what they're going through now. And if you think about it, it's true. Because first you've got denial, then mm -hmm. you've got anger, then you've got depression, mm -hmm. then you've got bargaining, then you've got acceptance. So we've got to go through all these stages with these people in order for them to relinquish their, the grip that they have on our lives. So mm. that's a lot of work, like Auntie Sade said. That's going to take a long time. But my point is that what are we doing for ourselves? That's all. We can't sit there and wait for them. Some people have taken that and run with it. And like, well, the man's fucked me up, so I'm going to fuck up. So let's do the work ourselves. We can't depend on them to change for us. We have to do what we need to do to be better humans for our community. We're about our black people. I'm about my community, so I want to see my community do better, regardless of what the hell they're doing. If and when we sort ourselves out and they're 
cool over there, then cool. If they're not, then at least we're in a position where what they're doing doesn't even matter at that point, because then we do have those things in place where we can call out the police, we can call out the government. We do have that um, power to affect change when it comes to government policies and world decision. Because, oh, actually, if we come together, the people that we're supposed to be, the kings and queens that we're supposed to be, then our policies and our decisions are probably going to be better for the world anyway. I think Nana said something along exactly. them lines before. Mm. But um, I think we had this mantra that we're kings and queens. We come from such legacy, history, and talent and skills. We built the world, yeah? So how can we rebuild it for ourselves and then however people can benefit? I think we are doing that. I, I think the work you do individually is the first part. Every day, like fighting all those like mini little battles, not ignoring stuff, like calling things out, like going where you're celebrated, taking advantage of a global economy, using new technology, taking advantage of uh, the internet. Do you know, you know, like having black Twitter, like creating communities, forums, like we're doing it every single day. It's not really about us. Like we're, we're doing it anyway. We're surviving. There's just so much unsung work that is done in our communities. Like so much like, you know, not to leave people behind. We're trying not to do that. It's just that the voices that sometimes are against that or don't represent that are usually the loudest, really. And they're also like, because we're under the system, they're the ones that they want to cherry pick and throw that forward, you know? The next generation, I've got a lot of faith in them as well. I think they're doing some amazing things. I think that's maybe then that's what we need to do more of because there's still some stuff that's not heard because if there's unsung voices sing about those voices you know what i'm saying there's always stuff that can be done to be worked on i just quickly do my story no quick quick one quick one because <laughs> <laughs> i we can't not talk about this oh. jada pinkett Oh, oh, oh my God. So Jada Pinkett Smith, oh, you know what? The guy's name has totally gone out of my head. Uh, August. August there we go, yeah. August. Somebody do the rundown on this story because I'm just like, wow. August sat down with a tell-all interview. Angela Yee from The Breakfast Club. Apparently they've been friends. They've known each other for a while. So he felt comfortable revealing his truth to her. He's talking, talking, you know, about like he's had some hardship in his life. He's been like ill. His yeah. uh, sister died. Mm. He's looking after her kids. I think his brother passed. Yeah. Looking after his kids kind of thing. So he's got a lot of responsibility and stuff. And then he's <laughs> just going to turn. And he's just dropped that. You know, he made a track about Jada. And then Angela was just like, yeah, can you just put some rumors to rest? Like, what was the deal? And he basically, he didn't actually say the words, but he implied that him and Jada had a full-blown relationship. He implied that he lived with Jada. He implied that that was the most significant relationship in his whole entire life. He implied that he was broken when that relationship was over. Those are the things that he was implying. Now, I watched the whole interview. Oh. I was working late and I was just like, let me watch this thing to see what's going on, yeah? Oh. And can I just say, I'm just going to say my opinion, yeah? And I know. People might not be happy with this, but he comes across to me as a very bitter, unstable young man. Why are you bringing out this information now? If you were truly honest with your word and saying that this is to absolve yourself, to have some sort of integrity within yourself, you're doing this at the same time that you're promoting an album. Mm. You're doing this at the same time that you're dropping a, um, a documentary. Your album charted number 48, by the way. Ooh. So boo. 
Like, do you know what I mean? So, like, come on, like, he had the audacity to even imply that he sat down with Will Smith and Will Smith gave him permission to go ahead. Permission, you know, a whole Will Smith. Ah. My thing is, yeah, I don't believe you. But even if it was the case, why are you so disgruntled that now you must put every all the business in the streets? Why? What is going on? Is it because Jada doesn't want you? Is it because you've seen her every week on Facebook on a red table talk and you're not happy because she hasn't put her attention on you? Leave the Smiths alone. I would say from the snippet that went out, I was really like, oh my God, I think Jada is an abuser. Like, this guy was so vulnerable when he was staying over. There's so many years between you two. He was your son's friend. It's like he was emotionally damaged when he was staying in your house. I can't believe you would allow yourself to have a relationship with this guy. That was the before I watched the whole thing. But once I watched the whole thing, I was like, it's placed so opportunistically. Like, mm. I feel like him and Anjali Yee spoke about the thread of the conversation and was like, if you're ready to do it now, do it now. By the end of it, I was like, I don't know if I believe you. Maybe a one night stand, maybe something, because generally people don't make up a whole lie. There's probably some element yeah. of truth. Mm. But I was like, you're damaged enough to do this and it to not be totally true. Sometimes I like Angela Yee, but sometimes I am like, she's on the come up so this helps her as well this is really you know it's gone viral all around the world it's like i could see how she may have used this opportunity to get her name out there where she knows charlemagne the god is leaving and the breakfast club is probably not going to have the same platform as it has had culturally she's positioning herself as like some ghetto oprah winfrey and it's just <laughs> After watching the whole hour, I was like, you probably should have left it at the three minute clips that went out. <laughs> or mm. been with our pitchforks for Jada Pinkett. But still, I want to know how the Smiths are going to spin it because they mm -hmm. are like spin masters. And she could have had a relationship with him. The rumours have been there for yeah. years that she does her thing, he does his He does his thing. I mean, there's a clip of Jada saying what she said, didn't it? She said, yeah. You're this joker with somebody else and I'm not being this joker with somebody else but we gonna be in this joker together that's what mm -hmm. she said but anyway my thing is this whether he did or whether he didn't I've not watched the whole thing I've just seen the, the clips like the three four five minute clips that's all I've yeah. seen whether he did or whether he didn't is not the point the point is why do you feel the need to come out and chat the chat you weren't chatting before were you what are you talking about mm -hmm. now yeah, you said that um, your career has been damaged and people have said this, that and the other, but it's not helping you to come out and say it now. Why must you chat? Why do you feel the need to divulge that information? If she was the most important person, the most important relationship that you've ever had and that hurt you the most you've ever been hurt, considering the tragedies that you've encountered in your life, mm -hmm. why do you feel the need to come out now and talk about it? What are you getting out of talking about it now? He's got an album coming out. He's got this documentary. It's just all too calculated for me. The mm. reason why he's doing it now, it's just too calculated. And now the problem is people are going to question whether or not it's true because of the way that you've chosen to come out and say it. He was on the red table. 
himself. Mm-hmm. He never mm-hmm. once even mentioned an inkling of anything. Which is, you know, he. So I don't know. You clearly don't chat to them no more. It's within your interest for you to gain some sort of publicity by coming out and saying shit now. I don't know if I have a problem with him talking it. People like Will Smith and Jada have, I assume, and this is again, we're on the outside looking in, assume have some level of media manipulative power because I'm sure there's things, there's things that it's, it's always stayed as rumors. I mean, there's been rumors that Will's gay, there's rumors that Jada's a lesbian, all those things and that open marriage, these things have been circulating, but never ever pinned down. No one's been able to pin shit down, whether that means it's not true at all, or whether that means they've got enough NDAs and stuff sewn up where people can't really talk. So for me, for this, my actual thought went to the fact that, are they all in it? Because Red Table Talk has come back. I'm not that it necessarily needs a publicity, but then you think something, you know, the Kardashians don't need publicity, but they still do nonsense for publicity. Mm. And then I was thinking, Because right now Jada's going to do her come to the table talk mm. herself. <laughs> so, to herself. To herself. Yeah. Like, like, hey, hey. <laughs> it just seemed all, as far as it is, calculated, very, very mm. planned and controlled. So I thought that. I don't have a problem with coming out of it because if it's true, it's his right to talk. I don't, there's no, unless he signed a contract to an NDA and he's breaking it. And then again, it's on him. It's us who are reacting. It's on us not to react then. It's his mm. business to talk to whoever he wants and say whatever he wants to say. I, I think there's this element of celebrities that we appreciate, aspire to, or like, we don't, we want to protect them too. I don't necessarily want to hear bad shit about people like, it's like, oh, shit. Yeah, I'll, yeah. Another person I have to kind of take off my, I kind of like that person. I like them list, yeah. Mm. We try not to put celebrities on pedestals, but no matter what, Will and Jada, with, especially when they did that, because I shared that t- table talk they did with themselves, and I quoted them to my daughter and her boyfriend when they're talking about <laughs> trying to get navigate the relationship. Like, you know, Will and Jada said, you don't need to be friends <laughs> each other. You need to come, come to the table as yourselves and come together equally, side by side. <laughs> I've used them in quotes. And if now that, and, and it's a brand, they're presenting something to us that's not entirely true, because never once in their did table talk did they say, we have an open marriage and that's how we make our marriage work. You've got a bunch of people and you know, black people, we love our black people in love. Aspiring, as they said, Will and J. Cole's song, Will and Jada Love. Not saying that it's their fault, it's their responsibility. But if you're presenting a brand image that people are aspiring to, because Orsina did say in his ramblings, he was like, oh, you know, this thing about people presenting an image that's not really true. I kind of was like, oh, that's interesting because him saying that, for better or for worse, if he's telling the truth, then it's like, Will and Jada, come, Remix will come again, because people will still love you. Remix will come again and talk your talk and then do, Will and Jada, this is how we actually do it, because you did sell us a, in, that's a lie, you sold us a lie. But did they? I'm saying they presented, like I said, going back to the beginning, none of our business anyway. Whether Orsina wants to talk, none of our business. If he wants to talk, he wants to talk. If I want to expose some man that pissed me off, I'm going to do it. And my friends might actually back me because they're like, yeah, he took the piss out of you. Speak your truth, sister. So if he's telling the truth and if he was manipulated and he felt manipulated, he's got every right to talk about it. He has every right. We just don't like it. And if it's false, then he's a bastard and he's got to, you know, atone for that. Jada and Will have presented. They haven't done anything that admits to whatever rumours are going on. And if it's not true, that's fine. They don't have to. And they don't have to. However, how they present is a couple that respect each other, rate each other, love each other in a traditional way that we, they know that we, everyone's on them. It's like Barack and Michelle. If you heard that Barack and Michelle were kind of open marriage, you would be a bit like, oh, 
Do you know what I mean? So I think there's an element of Orsina has a right. I do think Angela Lee, it was a setup because when I saw the clip, I thought it was that he just blurted it out because he couldn't control his emotions. When I watched the whole video, I realized that Angela Lee blatantly she just asked it, it yeah. and yeah. set him up to answer. So that's how the power of that three minute clip yeah. can really manipulate minds. Um, and that's mm-hmm. the danger. I mean, that's so social media and all that type of stuff. I'll, I'll let someone else talk. But yeah, that's my. If they are in an open relationship and they didn't want to disclose that to the public, I think they've got a real reason not to disclose that because the majority of people in society do not accept, understand, respect those those types of relationships. They don't. Do you know what I mean? They're not mainstream. They don't. So I, I would understand why they would want, if that's the case, why they would want to protect that. So if you are going into that relationship, knowing that is the case, then this is a violation because you know the rules of the game. Uh-huh. And now because you're hurt, now you're splitting everything. That's why I'm saying you're bitter. You're bitter. <laughs> so <laughs> do you know what I mean? So there's that. And then there's a comment from Minty. To each uh, their own. But the problem is that we as society are too willing to divulge our business. And also says we like the version these celebrities show us. It does not mean that we know or like the real person, which is very true. But then that also goes for August himself. Uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Like he's trying to show us that he's this vulnerable, in touch with his emotion, deep, deep, deeply woke individual. Do you know what I mean? And I'm just yeah. like, sorry. <laughs> and then at the end of the interview, the master slips. And you start talking about sharing dick pics, how much girls you're sleeping with, all this kind of stuff. And I'm just like, but brother, aren't you supposed to be still be in character? You can even do it for an hour. And I get that, like, Will and Jada, they're part of a very few elite black celebrities that we have that are relatively okay, relatively <laughs> that we can enjoy without guilt does. It is like, oh my God, like not them as well. And the other thing is, and why I felt like, oh my God, what is happening to the Smiths or with the Smiths is because the other thing that came out a few days before this broke was about that YouTube guy that was doing some disgusting things mm-hmm. with Willow, simulating yeah. sex acts and stuff and everything like this. And it's just like, hmm, what's going on here? Mm. Then I realized, oh, the Kardashians are coming out with something. So who knows? <laughs> who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? Who knows just, what's happening? I might just, be in a big feud. <laughs> whilst Will and Jaden never said, we're in an open relationship, she said what she said. If I'm in this house with somebody else over here and you're Mm -hmm. in this house with somebody else over there, we're still going to be in this house together. How Mm -hmm. else do you interpret that? Short of saying, I'm fucking my man and you're fucking my girl. How else do you interpret that? That is an open relationship. They're just not saying the words in such... What's the word? But she did say if. Yeah, and... She said if. It's remix. It's spin. It's, it's spin because at the end of the day, these Will and Jada love them to death. I don't give a damn. I wanted to be Jada when I when she was in a different world. I yeah. love them to death, right? No, that's a lie. I don't love them to death. I really like who they <laughs> how they present. That's yeah. Really yeah. However, they're media masters. So yeah, let's of course get they it. are. That's what I'm saying. So we have there. There's an element of in this whole space. They have their right not to tell anybody what the fuck yeah. they're doing behind closed doors. However. We cannot deny that their brand presents as a very 
nice black family and you but cannot I don't... deny but I'm just saying that you cannot deny that there are also people I might have heard it or not interpreted what she said in that way because it's like we could say that I could say I'm over here whatever whatever whatever, whatever but it doesn't mean to say I'm in an open relationship so they're, they're, they she know said that. with somebody else I am, That's what she said. I'm not saying that she didn't say that I'm saying that you can say things that with enough ambiguity to then have a defense that's all I'm saying fair enough but I, I in my opinion it was quite clear if, she, if you're going to talk about you're in a relationship, you're, you and your husband, you're still going to be married to this person. This is your husband. You're going to be together forever. But we might be with other people. That's what she said. Yeah. There's no there's no misinterpretation about what she said. And in terms of August going into that relationship, you sat down and had a conversation allegedly with Will. You knew what you were getting into. You knew what they were about. You decided that during the course of that relationship, you would honor that and you wouldn't chat the chat. Now that you're hurt and you're bitter and you've got music to bring out that ain't doing well, you want to talk, right. you, get your, you get your brethren and you go and you sit down on your brethren show and then you start divulging all sorts of information. Like I am all for being able to speak your truth, but if I'm in a relationship with somebody and we say, this is between you and me. Let's keep it like that. It's like that then, isn't it? You can't then be bitter afterwards and start chatting the chat because you didn't like how it ended. I also don't think it takes away from any love that Will and Jada have for each other and how they represent their family. I think it's still a beautiful thing. They've got a beautiful unit. It just might not be conventional. That's all. I don't think it has ever seemed like it's conventional. Mm. How they raise their kids you know, how, how they're open to Jaden dressing and doing and saying whatever the hell that he wants, their whole unit, it doesn't, it has never seemed conventional to me. So it, it's not even a surprise that maybe she did do something with this guy. It's not a surprise to me, but it's just surprising that he wants to talk about it now. I, I was sitting here just thinking, but if this was Will and this was Willow's brethren, because again, the girls that she hangs around with are older, or one of Jaden's friends, I think this conversation would be very different if it was a female who had gone through exactly the same things as August. Well, could also be called August. And had come out <laughs> I was in a relationship with Will for years, and Jada gave me her blessings. And I went to that house when my parents died. I lost my sister in that time. Mm. I've been very ill, and they helped me, but I also lost work because of this relationship, and I couldn't speak about it and I couldn't openly share my love, but I was deeply in love with this man. I think we would all be like, he's a sexual predator yeah. and he's a deviant. And really, I've seen how Jada maneuvers as well and things that she says. So sometimes they do come across to me as a bit sinister, just in the way they are so slick. You don't get to the top in Hollywood for no reason, Like you've got to do some shit. And they've been involved in Scientology. It's like they're weavers. They're not really Scientologists, but they were kind of there in Scientology. Oh, it's like they're a part of Black Hollywood, but not really. It's like, they, you know, they're skating around the thing. And it is mm. like, yeah, I'm sure you have a lot of skeletons and a lot of bodies on them. So I'm never wholly invested in these guys because I know anybody that's in that elite circle, you've seen some shit, done some shit, been to a few dodgy parties. And... I felt for him in that way before watching the whole thing. So I think it's a bit, but birds have a feather in it. 
Yeah. Mm. Shitty people, shitty people. Like, but I do think he's young and she is 20 odd years older than him. And if it's been going on for years, that means that he was around 19, 20 and she was, like, you know, late 30s. What do you have in common with this broken man, boy? I'm wholly like, I want to hear how they spin it, but I wouldn't be surprised if more people come along. Because usually that's what happens in it. The floodgates open and then you're going to get some others come along. And that was, I was going to get onto the Will scenario. I was going to clip it as well. Because that's, that's kind of where I'm coming from with what, everything, everything you just said. If it was a girl, we would be like using us as women. If someone did us dirty, even if we went into it and knowing he had a wife and all that type of stuff. And there's an element of where we know how sometimes you get into those spaces. I haven't. But you get into those spaces knowingly. <laughs> we get into those spaces. <laughs> and you fall for the person in that space and the person could be promising you stuff. Maybe not, because also we don't know what the arrangement was. We're hmm. speculating that they had an agreement that you don't say nothing. Or it could have been like, well, you know that you're not supposed to talk because it's Hollywood. But it, it, that's what I'm saying. If there's no NDA to say, you can't talk about this, then mm. bit or, or no bit, then Jada as a grown woman and a, someone who's in a situation looking after you, you're a mother as well. You're trying, you know, you should then know better then you shouldn't even be surprised. I don't know how she's going to come out. I don't think she's going to come out angry. They know what to do. They, yeah. haven't, done, they haven't done the bit of comeback. They know that she's got, she's got a nicey-niceness because she can't then turn around and be arguing with a 20-year-old about his childish behaviour because essentially that's a baby compared to you. And if it was a girl, it's, you would easily, it'd be easy to just call it manipulation. And the fact that he was vulnerable, broken, and had, was in that level of distress, and if it is 100% true that this is what happened, how are you letting this broken boy fall in love with you, knowing that you're not you're not gonna stay with him? You're Just gonna to go say, your husband. He's twenty-seven. He's not twenty. Oh, is he not? Okay. No, he's no. I'm talking about the times that the first kind of pictures that came about with him being in their family, like hanging around with Jaden. Mm. He was about nineteen years old. Okay. And when did the and he said start? years? He said years himself. Like mm. and I've been seeing her for years, so. Yeah, so, and when did it start to when did it end to when did it coming out now? Do you get what I'm saying? He so, wasn't clear. Yeah, yeah he, he, did, he didn't come with dates. He just said years. I mean, yeah. to be fair, he is young and years to them. It could be a year. <laughs> it could be two years. I hear you on the reverse thing, but I, I think maybe we might think that, but a lot of people would be very unforgiving to that young lady. Probably yeah. wouldn't believe her. I think Will would have a probably a good chance of getting away with it if that was him. I don't think he'd necessarily be seen as a predator or anything like that. It would probably be seen as like, oh, you know, the relationship's gone still. I've just got like a younger girl because that story happens over and over again. Yeah. It's, it's seen as normal. I always thought August was of age. So I didn't see it as Jada being predatory at mm. all. Cause as far as I've known of or heard rumors about that, he was always of age, but yeah. I do think it's a bit weird. But then I, I kind of put it down to Hollywood, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like everybody knows everybody, but that's your son's friend. That's a bit mad to me. I think they're spin masters. I think if Will came out, he'd find a way to spin it. If he could get away with it. He'd find a way to spin it. And Jada is going to definitely find a way to spin it. They are in a blessed space at this moment. And it's only so long. That's the only thing. When you're in Hollywood and you're... Not even when you're black. When you're in Hollywood... Yeah, when you're black. And at the top. <laughs> when you're at that level of AA, AAA lister, there's only so long that something's not going to happen. So yeah. you ride the wave. And if you've got the, the full vision to see that, look, this is how we deal with this. Because it's a reckless move. If she really did it with this guy, it's a reckless move. Because man's broken, as, we can, as he's talking about. 
he's had all this hardship. So you should know that that's trouble good. You don't need to mess be messing up trouble good. Gonna do all your, that all that stuff. Find someone else. Well, you know what? Yeah, if we're looking at it through the lens of this whole Jeffrey Epstein thing, yeah. he is the perfect victim. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But- but he has no parents. <laughs> and Will was on in Epstein's book. Yeah. Come on. Yes. But I will say this. Guys, you're killing me. <laughs> I will say this. If you watch the interview with him on Red Table, we don't know how it developed from one thing to the other. Because it seems originally to me, just watching that interview, like she was helping him through his trauma and his addiction. Yeah. That's what Epstein, Epstein was doing for people. No, 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 no. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, this is a couple of years ago that he did this interview. Yeah. So if he was 25, you're not 17, are you? If you're broken and you're yes. done. Yes, and, and I agree, yes. and I agree yeah. with that. But I'm just saying we don't know how their relationship developed. And I'm not excusing it if, if it was manipulative. I'm not at all. Jada has said it's untrue. So let's see what happens. Yeah, she has. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, people have yeah. denied it, and Will's people have denied that he <laughs> just relegated <laughs> Will to a beta male. You know, you not missed the bit where he was like, "Yeah, because their relationship has developed and it's you not know, in a romantic it's... sense anymore." <laughs> you know, I was thinking, okay. who told you how to say that? Well, everything that you're saying, yeah, learned from Jada. I know you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's even worse. Hold on, yes. if you're not relegated because Will's like, "Yeah, go ahead." What's he doing? Because it's like. I mean, like, I don't know. They've got an open relationship. Seriously, I mean, rules like, and you know, there's other rumors about. There's been ru- yeah, there's been rumors about Will. Hey, I'm Auntie Nana. You're listening to your aunties could never. Now it's time for aunties to fix your life with aunties know best. Hey, aunties! I recently returned to work after being furloughed as a result result of COVID nineteen, and it's been great so far, with the exception of one colleague of mine who has the feeling that social distancing rules do not apply to them. Every time I come into the office, they're sat at my desk. I have told them that it makes me feel uncomfortable and that it violates my personal space, but they don't seem to care. They never wear a mask and I have yet to see them use any sanitizer. I have mentioned it to my boss and I've been told that wearing a mask isn't compulsory, so there isn't much that can be done there. But they have promised to speak to the person about sitting at my desk. Although they are part of a clique, so I'm not overly confident that anything will be done. I'm on the verge of just saying that I can't work in these conditions and signing myself off as sick, but it would be a major impact on my finances. Being furloughed was hard enough. Can you offer any advice? S from South London. They haven't uh, like, said on, why no. the person would be sitting at, at their desk. People so, do, though. Yeah. People do strange things. People too. sit at my desk all the time. I just told them don't touch my chair and my things and I can tell that they've done it. It's very <laughs> funny. When people come into the office and they're like, is Auntie Far around? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a HR issue because, especially in these times, okay, masks might not be compulsory, but the sanitation is for sure. Do you know what I mean? You know, it's just putting in an email to HR that this is happening, logging it every single time it's happening. I would personally be very dramatic about wiping everything down when that person has left to make them feel, put the uncomfortableness on them, do you know what I mean? And say like, I'm just trying to protect myself at the end of the day because there's a freaking pandemic outside. It's bad enough that people have to go back to work so early. So all people should be respectful of each other. If they're clicky, if it's that bad, then you probably have to go tribunal to some extent. You might have to see this all the way through if necessary, if you have the energy, 
If not, look for other roles as well. Do you know what I mean? Because you shouldn't be in any situation. I know it's, you know, it's, it's a lot, but any situation at work that makes you feel that where you're not safe, especially in mm-hmm. these times. No, nah, that's unacceptable. I don't have anything to add to that apart from when I was just an anecdote, when I worked at BBC Radio London as a radio producer and because it's a hot desk system, we had wipes from day one because <clears throat> you got different people on different things. You've got headphones, you've got keyboards. And I, they'd laugh at me. I'd go for about 20 wipes, banging out the keyboards, wiping down the chairs, everything, wiping the mouse, cleaning the wheel of the mouse, everything. I'd do a whole clean out before I would use their facilities. And then when COVID came out, I was like, yeah, you know what, you know, you were kind of right, you know. So um, I feel as I would make a very dramatic display of cleaning up behind people that sat in my space. And you will know for sure, yes, I am calling you dirty because people are dirty. I'll use the excuse, like, I'm always fiddling with my hair. So if you don't want my African hair grease on your chair, <laughs> so this is what I'm doing. Thank you very much. I'm doing you a favor. You're lucky that I do that. I bring my plantain grease on the chairs. You're lucky I do that. (laughs) There you go. So, yeah. Dear aunties, it's a bit of a long one. I'll try to get it quickly. I've been with my man for almost 10 years. We've been through the usual ups and downs, breakups and makeups. Things have been steadily getting worse to the point that we don't even argue anymore, just bury our heads in the sand and carry on as normal, in quotes she wrote. So during lockdown, we finally made the decision to break up. We've been sharing the space but living separately. We plan to tell our families after lockdown because we didn't want to cause any stress and headache. No, we've not got any children. This is one of our many areas of disagreement. But here's my issue. I've been talking to some guy I met randomly when I was coming home from work one day. We had one of those random great conversations. He did ask for my number and I did give it to him, but I was honest about my relationship setup. However, I'm not going to lie. I did take his number knowing that A, I thought he was attractive and B, I was thinking of ways to end it with my man. We messaged back and forth and we've shared journeys home together, sometimes missing our stops to get more time. Ah. Long story short, <laughs> during lockdown, me and this guy have been messaging a lot, even more so than normal. She put a lot in capital letters. And if it wasn't for him, I don't know how I would have coped in the same space as my now ex. However, the other day, my ex saw the messages and is now accusing me of cheating. Yes, of course he cheated during our relationship. That's not the point, though. I get it. Now we're arguing. He's rushing to tell the family with the extra source that I've been cheating. I'm trying to tell him I haven't cheated. Also, in the arguing, I'm starting to feel that passion we used to have. It's mad to say the arguing is building sexual tension. We almost got into it a few nights ago but we both backed off on top of all of this i'm really feeling it with this other guy and he's pushing for us to meet up in a nutshell i'm confused i don't think i cheated i think i may have want to have sex with my ex i definitely want to meet this other guy but i don't know if i'm ready to get into it with another man so soon and i know and i know he wants a relationship or so he says what should i do freaking confused for fuck's sake that is, that's just like it's a lot standard. um you kind of cheated. You just didn't cheated. do the do. You get me? You didn't do the do. You you skimmed the surface of cheating. Because let's be real, if you've got a, if you're with somebody, even if it's towards the end of your relationship, and you start chatting to somebody else, you know it's wrong. She knows it's wrong. So, and as far as tension going with her, <laughs> with her, the sexual tension going with her um with her ex, I don't if. It, I mean, you might have had great sex, but there's no point having sex again if you're at this stage of your relationship and it doesn't work for you anywhere else because that's just going to cause more issues with you and him. And if he wants to go and chat the chat with your family, you've got a mouth to, you can say what you need to say. You just yeah. got to be honest about the yeah. situation. It's you and him in the relationship. It's not, they can't talk about how things went down between you two. 
I think maybe you need to have some time on your own. There's this thing of we need to jump from one relationship to another. Sometimes it's good to take a beat and just concentrate on yourself. At the moment, you're just concentrating on one dick versus another. And it's just like, have time to don't break the glass yet, as Auntie Sade would say. She is trying to get a beat. That's the thing. It sounds like she's trying to get a beat. That's, that's what I'm saying. She needs, she needs to not get, it's not the beat beat. She needs to get, she needs to take a breath. <laughs> She needs to, yeah, she needs oh. to pause. She needs to ignore the pulsations that's happening. Tell your family we've broken up, move wherever you're gonna move. I still think she could carry on chatting to this guy though. Like, I don't think there's much in that if she really wants to, like chat to the dude. But don't I think at this moment, don't sleep with anybody. You sleep with one person, you're gonna sleep with both of them. And you can see it happening. That chaos, that chaos, get one, you're going to want to test out the other. Don't do it with any of them. It's going to happen because you're in chaos. Like, take it down a notch. A lot of notches, just remove yourself. Maybe actually lock off the other dude as well for a bit. Yeah. Because you're in that whirlwind, you will end up on both dicks. And this whirlwind (laughs) is 2020. It's showing everybody's ass. You'll probably end up pregnant. Let the guys go and just... Be solo for a while because 2020 will show your ass. And then what's your family going to say? Because she's already mentioned that she's not even 100% sure if this guy really wants a relationship because he could be talking all the game and knowing that, you know, she's in this vulnerable space and he knows he's a dick in a glass. And so he's like, I'm ready to be broken. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, She's not even sure. But if that's what she wants... She doesn't know if what she, she just, wants. She doesn't she, know what she wants. She doesn't, yeah, she doesn't she know what don't she wants. She doesn't have a clue. No, yeah. she wants the D. She doesn't yeah. want the D. Yeah, that's, but that's she what she's care who's D. But yeah, she doesn't know which one to go then for. Buy a basically. If she was straight up with the guy that's in, she, she's living with the guy, right? With her um, ex that she, now. Yeah, but with, she's living with her ex. That's your ex now. So to be honest, you don't really owe him anything, really. To be honest, it's not necessarily ethical, but... If you want to, you can be like, look, I'm going to start sleeping with other people. I want to sleep with you too. How do you feel about that? (laughs) (laughs) Some guys might be like, okay. I like to say, you don't want ew, dick. You want new dick. (laughs) (laughs) But there's also the dick that you know, because it's like, yeah, yeah, but sometimes sometimes better the dick that you know isn't great. It feels like in that moment, because she has said that it was passion and tension building. So maybe something, and she said it's like the passion that they used to have. So drawing from that, it's like maybe they've been stale and that's what they're forgetting. And in lockdown, they decided to break up and then they're like, oh, this is what's missing. So maybe, I don't know, they've had back and forth, so she says, so who knows. But maybe having that one final pop will help her make a decision. Be like, it's definitely not about you. Or it's like, oh, actually. Like, I know that. I'm just saying. You know when the person's gonna leave the hood, and they're like, "I'm over this. I'm leaving this gangster life." What happens? <laughs> they get shot. They get shot. <laughs> that, that final pop might be a pregnancy. It's you know what I'm saying? And then, yeah. and then you've got him for 18 years, and you was yeah, like, "I'm yeah, about yeah. to leave." If she's thinking about it like that to make a decision on the relationship, no. If she's just thinking about her lustful urges, do you know what I mean? I think she's within her right to say, "You know what? This is the situation." Do you want to have a go or not? If not, I'm going over here. They're concerning adults at the end of the day. I would advise, if that was my friend, I'd say just leave all of them alone. Just uh-huh. have some time on your own, work out. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Get focused. Yeah, <laughs> man. Don't mess about with 2020. So, dear aunties, 
hope it's okay that I'm messaging you, but I don't know what to do. It's a sticky one still. The other day, my boy sent me a 15 set clip of him getting on with a girl. Unfortunately, I noticed that the girl is a friend of my girlfriend. Instantly, I felt guilty, but I don't know if I should tell my girlfriend or the girl um, herself, as I can't lie, I'm not sure what the fallout would be. Um, I don't know what to do because obviously bro code and also it could escalate and it could escalate badly. Also, I know for sure that if my girl found out that I saw this, she's not going to rate me at all. Oh God. Help me. <laughs> okay, nephew. So the bro, his, his homie's sending it in ways like, Ram, man, look at this girl. I got it in with her. He's sending it disrespectfully, right? And it's your girlfriend's friend. friend. We need to know what the friend, her mentality, what, she, what she's about. Does she know she was being filmed? What is the friend saying? Does she know she was being filmed? Is she that way inclined? Like, fuck it, you can film me. And it's, I know you're going to put it around. What is the, her situation? Because I think he needs to understand where this girl is in this setup because we automatically go to victim violation. Even with that though, because my thing is just tell her straight away that, like, do you yeah. know what I mean? Just tell her directly. Don't yeah. go to anyone else to tell her to limit the amount. Girl. No, not the girlfriend, the girl. To yeah, limit yeah. the amount of shame. Do you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. there's going to be shame anyway. And we can't help that because that's just how society is, how we're raised, all that kind of stuff. Even if she consented, I don't think she did. But even if she consented, she might have consented to that guy filming, not saying. your friend watching. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Those are two different on. things. But nothing to do with, I don't know if we need to know about her personality. Do you know what I mean? Why is your friend comfortable sending you clips of girls that they're banging? <laughs> like, are you yeah. filming clips of me banging? It's too many questions. There's just too many. My first thought was that he needs to talk to the girl directly. Because like you said, it cuts down the shame, doesn't it? If he tells his girlfriend, then his girlfriend's going to go and tell the girl. And that's an, like levels of embarrassment because you've gone through all of these people the girlfriend might then tell her other friends and then they might have to tell like it it, whereas if you go directly to the person and you say look do you know that there's videos of you then it's for her to deal with the guy isn't it it sounds like a really young childish thing that's going on here then she herself might be irresponsible and it might still blow up because the girl might be like be like, oh my god, da, 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 and it kind of your boyfriend told me this, and then boyfriend watched it, and then the girl could be a remix girl. She could be victim, even though she's a victim in this, she could still be a remix girl and cause problems. So my inclination would be to tell the girlfriend, his own girlfriend, rather than going to the girl. That's what I would think. But I then the same thing can happen. I'd say go to tell your girlfriend and say, look, this is what I've seen. Talk to your girl. I think I would do that. If I was the girlfriend, if I found out that he told her, I would see that as an act of like, okay. You was trying to be a gentleman in the situation. Yeah. If you told me, I'm definitely 100% going to question you straight away and not see any acts. I'm seeing that you are guilty party. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? So we need to tell you, Frederick, what you've done is scuzzy. I know that girl. Yeah, yeah. You tell your friend already that this is happening. That could limit him from sending it to too many people or at least get rid of it. And I'm telling my girlfriend and her brethren together, this is what I've seen. And I've already told the guy. It's gonna blow up regardless. But what I wanna do is keep myself in good standing with my girlfriend. So whether or not this is the 10th video that any of my friends have sent me, and I never did anything before because I didn't Mm -hmm. know the girls. Mm -hmm. Now I do know, and I'm really going there. Like now I understand this is dirty. Uh, you're going to try and keep 
your relationship in good standing. Mm. The fact that he's getting in contact to me shows that he has decency within him. Yeah. So do the right thing. Tell your boy he's scuzzy and tell your girlfriend and her friend together so that your girlfriend doesn't <laughs> get any touchiness that you went to her friend without her knowing. So someone on Facebook, Nicola, has just said, send the girl a clip of the auntie's advice and say he is finding it difficult to let you know. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I just think we're applying a lot of maturity to immature people, I think, because he was mature to get in touch. That's why I think the girl first. I don't know if it would even be, by the time this the boy has sent it round, then you're going to like, I'm going to get my girlfriend and her friend together to say something. You can it's do it on a three-way call. They don't actually have to be yeah, present. Okay. It's just don't tell the friend before you tell your girlfriend. That's what you I don't know how your girlfriend exactly. is going to react to it. But exactly. I do think yeah. that the girl should know at the same time as well, because I wouldn't want... It depends on the friendship. I wouldn't yeah, want my friend different. knowing, because she may go to... Tanisha to be like, Tanisha, I know this. Do you think we should tell? Tanisha goes into... No, but I don't even think that because the thing is, yeah, she might turn against her, do you know what I mean, kind of thing, cause the next situation. So just tell the girl on its Mm. own. So whatever the girl does with the information is kind of like on her. But now Auntie Nana has a valid point. You're like, for him, he's securing his own relationship at the same time as making sure that the information goes to, to who it needs But to. at the expense of the... I don't think that's right. But he's seen it already. He's seen it already. And it yeah, but his love, girlfriend doesn't need to know. He would need to ask the girl permission to say, like, or oh, tell her to say, look, I'm telling you first that I'm also going to tell my girlfriend for transparency reasons. It's already murky, and it's just like you're, you're violating her again. Do you know what I mean? By letting that information out to another person, which I don't think is right. But what if the girl, the her, the girlfriend's friend, says, "Don't tell your girlfriend." Now you're in. But a then fight he's got on of that. Yeah, but he's got on of that, and he's got. And if it comes out, you got to be like, "Honey, do you know what? She told me not to tell you, and I had to respect that because she's already been violated anyway." So you've got to respect that. And I think I do, I any do. reasonable girlfriend, serious, you got to protect yeah. these women, man. I think I agree. But I, ju- I just think there's a level of maturity that some young people don't have. So I just think, yeah. because even telling the boy, the guy that you're scuzzy, the, I don't believe that the guy would even ever do that because I'm sure he's yeah. seen other videos. The only reason why he's flagging it is because he knows the girl. Yeah. How many videos get, yeah. Also, we don't know the friendship between his girlfriend and the girl. It could be someone that he knows his girl knows, but what, how friendship, how easy is it for him to get in touch with her? Because he might not even be able to get hold of her without going through the girlfriend or what, sneaking a number out of her phone. Do you know what I'm saying? It's all, it could be all that. We don't know the levels of how accessible the other girl is. So that's why it might be an easier route to go through the girlfriend, but I hear what you're saying about the extra violation. He's I'm saying if I should cool. tell her or the girl herself, so he, he's he implying that. that he can get to her. Right. It's a bit of a mad one still, but also get new friends, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but that will happen because he's going to be a grasser, so. Yeah, exactly. They'll drop him anyway. <laughs> you're going to have new friends, really. <laughs> <laughs> that's going to happen. That was Auntie's No Best. If you have a dilemma, please send them to dilemmas.yourauntiescouldnever at gmail.com. Hey, I'm Auntie Farah and you're listening to Your Aunties Could Never. And now we're about to take you guys back with Black in the Day. 
I used to have a favorite auntie called Auntie Twain who used to come to our house and take us out on trips to central London. We used to go to Green Park and eat ice creams. And she used to go on holiday and buy us T-shirts. I remember having a Mickey Mouse and Minnie Mouse T-shirt with like strings coming off. And I loved it so much. And she was also nice. And she used to like comb my hair without it hurting. Everything that she was, I wanted to be. Like I just absolutely loved her because she was so nice and kind and um just full of life so i wanted to know she really that stood out to me like who was your relative apart from obviously mums and dads that kind of thing that stuck out to you has been really influential in your life i would say definitely the biggest influence relative wise would be my sister who mm. really like helped shape my personality and worldview. So there's 11 years between us. This is my sister, Aquia. And she definitely was like second mummy. I, I did think that she could for many years, although it's 11 years, but I did think maybe she was my mum and I was being brought up by my grandma, just the way that she <laughs> loved me. It was like, I think she could be my mum. But um, yeah, she became a Buddhist and I would go to the meetings with her. And so uh, she had a butsadan, which is like your stand that you have a scroll in and you sit down and you do your chanting in front of it. So I, I was probably about six, seven when she became a Buddhist and I would sit there and I'd go to the meetings with her. So it really shaped my view on spirituality, on religion. The majority of the family are Christians and so it was very different. She was always different. She used to wear a turban a lot, really into Boy George, like definitely an alternative <laughs> black girl before that yeah. even became a thing to be an alternative black girl. So this is all through the 80s and 90s. My sister was very different. And I just love that she wasn't like a standard black girl and was very spiritual and it just touched me as a kid, like that it ignited my spirituality, like that you can be different. I really wanted to go on a kibbutz and she was like, you should go on a kibbutz. Like just everything that was different, she would push me towards like not being standard and stereotypical. So I would say, yeah, my sister, I definitely picked her. I know it was like, I need a sister <laughs> like this one that is gonna be different so I can be different as well. That's lovely. I would say my granddad. Uh, I was thinking about it. I've had lots of influential people in my life. My auntie was great. You know, my cousins did a lot when I was growing up and I'm still very close. They're more like brothers and sisters, my cousins, and they are mm -hmm. cousins. But my granddad, because my dad wasn't really around too much when I was growing up. My granddad used to do things like he would pick us up from school. He would cook for us. Like, I've, like this is why in my head, like my idol man is someone who is 50 50 in, in in the sense of what they do in the house like you're in it together you really get a sense of you're in it together and with my grand and my granddad i really got a sense of my he was definitely there wasn't anything that she would do that he wouldn't do he'd cook he'd clean he'd look after us he'd do all of that you know he was he was great with all of us and he was very very um just loving and caring and just jokes don't get me wrong if you got on the wrong side of him <laughs> he had the, we had to roll up his towel like this and, go, <laughs> and my cousins would always push me to the front so i'd get it first but um yeah we used to call him farfar because um the eldest grandchild couldn't say his name properly so it came out farfar and then everyone who came afterwards it was just farfar and he was like my granddad was great 
and he used to have this whistle when he used to come in from work and we'd all like know that he's here. Oh, Fafa's here. We'd run down to see him and stuff like that. And yeah, he was just the loveliest, loveliest, like big teddy bear of a man. And then I would say that he's really, really made me um, think about what it is that I find acceptable in a relationship and what I'm willing to, you know, take and not take. I don't know if I, I don't know. I don't know, but I just had like my cousin Ethel, because she was a bad girl and I aspired to her badness because <laughs> she just wasn't in the time when growing up as um, Ghanaian children that were very, you had to keep them. You didn't have that. You didn't have that voice in the home. She was, she was when my mum would say, Hey, Ethel, have you heard what Ethel has done? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, man, Ethel's a bad girl. I wish I could be like Ethel and just have that strength of voice. So Ethel's always been my hero cousin. Maybe my, I always say that my auntie, a queer, it's something about a queer, so that's so amazing. My auntie, <laughs> um, because I work, when I was kicked out of college, I went to work with mum. I was like, you're not staying at home, so you're going to work. So I went to work at my auntie's. She had a hair, home hairdressers in White City. And that's where I honed my craft as a hairdresser. So, and she was strict, no nonsense. And the mad thing is, she's my, my big sister's my half-sister. And she's from that side of the family. So in theory, we're not related, but she looks like we look alike. It's so, everyone used to think she was my sister. It's so weird. Don't know how it works. Probably, you know, Ghanaians are all probably connected somehow. Um, but yes, yeah, so I guess she had impact on me being the hairdresser I am today. And I guess the other person is my brother because he's been through so much hardship, still going through hardship, but yet he's as stupid as I am. My birthday's a day apart, but not he's like five years older than me. But he's so joyful and can just say silly he's just as silly as i am considering you know he's deaf he's autistic and he's institutionalized but yet he can bring such joy and crack joke and that's my inspiration like when shit things are shitty and i know that my brother can still crack jokes under all the duress that he's in i'm like all right cool my brother's amazing so that's it hey i'm auntie shade you're listening to your aunties could never it's almost time to wrap up before we do Aunties, what's made you sad, mad, or glad? So I am mad about the way that the police have treated two very similar things. So you had the block parties. The latest one was in White City a couple of days ago, I think it was. And the riot police came out. And don't get me wrong, yeah, people were throwing shit at them and it's nonsense how they behaved back to police. However, this weekend just gone, pubs opened. And there was like basically carnival going on in Soho and nothing happened. So I'm mad about how they can on one hand be so strict in, you know, in our type of communities. And then in Soho, central London, they're just like, yeah, go on with your bad selves. It's all good. So I'm mad about that. Um, I am glad that there's been an arrest in the double murder of the two sisters in um, Wembley. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I'm glad to watch this space because we don't know, I don't know any more than it's an 18-year-old boy from South London who they've arrested. Wow. Who knows if it's real or if they just got someone. I don't know. But I'm glad that at least something is being done. I'm sad that Brianna's killers still haven't been brought to justice. Um, same, sad, again I think one of them has been fired, right? Yeah, but that's it but That's it, that's it so far People really doing up engagements and all sorts and stuff It's just nuts, it's terrible um, So I hope, you know, it can, the pressure is still being put on to get some justice there 
Can't lie, I'm a bit mad at Kanye, you know. <laughs> I'm a bit mad at him for even uh, for for causing a distraction. Let's say that. Yeah, I'll put it just that. Um, and you know what? I'm glad. I'm like glad with everything thrown at the moment. To be honest, like it's doing well. My little company where I co-found. Thank you. Yeah, I'm just happy that we're we've been able to pivot and do well in the circumstances. And at the moment, I really couldn't ask for more. Do you know what I mean? So um, I'm just really, really glad and grateful about that. I'm sad that it's just not warm. Like I can't take. <laughs> Up when the sun isn't out, it really it just uh-huh. makes me sad. I'm just I'm just sad about that. I am, you know, I'm mad. I'm just mad at the state of um, politics. I find it maddening because it's so deceptive, and people are so involved in it, and that it actually pisses me off. <laughs> it pisses me off that people care. So I'm kind of mad at that. And I am glad I got a whole load of crystals, but I've left it over there. I wanted to show you guys. But yeah, I got a whole new crystal haul. So I got 15 pieces from Marianne Hayfron on Facebook. I bought it from her, black woman. She um, is, I think it's Claire Sentient. So she actually does readings as well and she Ooh. sells crystals. So I bought lots from her. I'm really, really glad about that. And I'm glad I got to support a black business. Almost every day this week, actually, I spent with a black business. So Very good. I'm That's really good. glad about that. Yeah. That's good. Um, so I'm sad last week, sent off my homie, lost a good, good, good friend. So I'm sad about that, but also Again, like Ty, it's a relief sadness that he gets to rest in peace. Much love to Darren and his family. Um, I'm mad, yeah. It's a mad sad. It's a mad... My daughter's getting on my nerves, yeah, because <laughs> for 20, for like for as long as she's been able to pick up a hoover, her chores have been hoover and fucking take the things out every week. However, because I've got, which I'm glad about, a great daughter who's not naughty, who doesn't give me any jit really, it annoys me and it annoys her when I tell her off. So she gets into a little bit of attitude because I tell her off about the smallest things. So we're actually beefing because she hasn't hoovered. In the grand scheme of things, this is okay to be argued about hoovering. It's not anything else, not anything that, you know, get her into trouble. However, mm-hmm. it's making me mad because just because you're a good girl doesn't mean to say you don't get told off for doing your chores. Do your fucking chores and stop moaning and stop going, mummy, it wasn't my fault. <laughs> Shut the fuck up and do the chores. Stop it. And the thing Leave is- Leave her alone. No, no. Really. When she comes in, and then when she comes in, cause she's a she's an NHS um, student nurse doing all God beautiful God's work. <laughs> when she comes home, I can't cuss her cause she's gonna be tired. I've been working with babies in an intensive care unit. <laughs> and then what kind of mum am I? I'm like, get a hoover out you witch. No, so it's bad <laughs> that I'm bound to this stupid little child, but I love her. <laughs> um, and I'm also really glad that, I'm glad that I've got a great daughter. I'm glad that the Truman Show is available for ne- on Netflix because I watched it. that yeah. film is one of my favorite films. And it's exactly that is cool. how yeah. we're living right now. And I would like to pledge to take a journey to the edge of the film set. So if anyone wants to come with me to find out where the edge I- of this film set is, <laughs> get me. I've been looking. Go. Yeah, because I'm looking yes. for that edge of the film set. Do you set think now. this is why people think the earth is flat? Cause yes. Cause yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense. And lift up the thing and then it's going to be, oh, we were being watched all this time. Please imagine. Imagine. Shit. I do have an unpopular opinion. Go ahead. <laughs> Ooh, go. 
So it's unpopular because not too many people, black people, black women, I don't think, experience this. But I would like to share the merits of having a magic mushroom experience. It really <laughs> lifts... <laughs> Why are you laughing so much? It lifts something off of you and opens your heart and gives you another insight into the world, another viewpoint on reality. So I would recommend, if you can, go to Holland because it's legal there and have an experience with magic mushrooms. Have you done this? I have, I have. Okay. Um, I'd like to add caveat, please do your research. Don't just go and pick a mushroom and die. Um, <laughs> Auntie did say go to Holland. I did say go to Holland. I'm just saying that you, know that you know there are people. They're going to think you mean caveats. Holland go and Barrett. <laughs> or they're going to say, oh, I went to Holland Park Park, found some mushrooms. <laughs> oh, I'm, walking down the street I'm naked. talking about the Netherlands. Like, <laughs> do it responsibly. You're an adult. But do not discount psychedelics because as a culture, Africans have been taking psychedelics for centuries. And that's it. Do hit us up on Instagram and let us know what's made you sad, mad and glad. If you want to follow the aunties, here's how you can. You can follow me, Auntie AK, on all plat social media platforms at The British Blacklist. You can follow me, Auntie Nana, on Facebook, Instagram, Pinterest and Twitter at Love Yaya. You can follow me, Auntie Shade, at Shade Salami on all platforms. You can follow me, Auntie Sarita, on most platforms, Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest, Facebook, at Hey Sarita. And you can follow me, Auntie Farah, on Instagram at FarOutProductions77. Hey, I'm Auntie Sarita, and you've been listening to Your Aunties Could Never, hosted by The British Blacklist. Head over to SoundCloud, Apple, and Spotify to listen back. Don't forget to follow us on Your Aunties Could Never over at Instagram. Don't forget to like, subscribe, follow, and comment. Later. Bye. <laughs>